all guys gals and non-binary pals welcome to the newest episode of the noobs and knockouts podcast brought to you on youtube on spotify on google and apple podcasts i'm austin i'm a knockout watched a lot of wrestling i'm david i'm a noob haven't watched nearly as much wrestling in the wait 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 what's this what, what am i getting huh whoa seriously now this late Oh, fine. Jesus. All right. The studio has new pages for us. Uh, let's, uh, oh, let's check. No. Let's check oh, boy. What, what did you do? What is happening? <laughs> Continue. Let's, let's, uh, let's, 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 let's check this shit out, actually. Uh, um, all right. So uh, they, 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 love, they love the intro. Uh, they, they could really go uh, for less uh, uh, life-hating crying when we're going through arcs that, uh, that we don't like. Um, uh-huh, they also, sure. they also, uh, uh, are, are, they, they also think you should get tighter in some of the, some of the close-ups. and, uh, uh, oh, what's this? Uh, David gets to take over the show and choose the arts from now on. What? Anyway. I, I, Hello, I, guys, I, gals, and non-binary. <laughs> hey, now, hold on. I am rejecting all the studio notes. No, wait, you can't do that. We're on a scripted series now, they motherfucker. We gotta, throw- we gotta follow orders. What are they gonna do? Cancel the show mid COVID? <laughs> what? Wait, that they can't do that, can they? Apparently, they can. Um, we had important, we had important arcs to finish up. What the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, we you can't just gonna, end that. We can't just end the show the way we ended it. Yeah, like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so today we're we're gonna we're gonna start watching Netflix's Glow. Yeah, baby. Let's fucking do this. I was honestly hoping you would do a repeat of the bit, the, like the Uno reverse of the bit you did for the, when we watched Real Glow. See, like you just the, start talking about reg about like Real Glow. See, but the but the but the oh shit, that's fuck. I forgot. I forgot about that bit. See, yeah. if there was any Uno reverse I was gonna pull, it would have been like the Muppets episode, since I actually have watched a decent amount of Glow, but also like. You have also watched a decent amount of Glow. You've you've watched all of Glow. I watched so the whole series. I watched, the, watched whole the whole series. series. I still have yet to watch the whole series. I'm still only partway through season two. So like, you still have more credence on this than I do. Um, but I do I do have background knowledge going in. We're in very unusual territory for David right here. <laughs> right. We, we, we've we've done this like twice before. Once with like the Muppets episode, and once with like the AEW women's division episode where we had Elizabeth yeah. on, but that was only like my vague knowledge of the, the women's roster in AEW. So like, you know, right. still a, still a pretty fresh experience, David actually knowing what the fuck is going on somewhat. Mm-hmm. So today for episode, we're on episode 125. And for this occasion, I wanted to do a new and a new and exciting experience on this podcast. And then we couldn't get any of our friends to come on. So no. I had to go to a different new and exciting experience on this oh. podcast. Oh, wrestling television. Yes. Not like, not like TV wrestling TV about wrestling. That's that they can do that. I was not aware. Yeah. So like, wrestling in hollywood has kind of been one of those like low-key like things that has always kind of existed in a niche way within the hollywood industry which makes sense it's a popular thing that people know about yeah 
and it keep and for it keeps popping up too, right? Yeah, like the, it, the earliest it, it, instance uh, I can think of of this is there was an episode of the Munsters where they where they did a wrestling episode. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, but in I will say in general, let's start with that. Is I think like maybe peak TV where wrestling is involved might be in sitcoms. So many sitcoms of the '90s had wrestling episodes. There was, or at the very least, episodes where wrestlers would cameo. I mean, they usually kind of worked at both. Were this, in this right. Is, I, like, I, I mean, they did. I mean, it was wrestler cameos, but they'd also make a whole thing about it. Really? Like, did they there's... like because I because I know that fucking like King Kong Bundy was on what Mary uh Married with Children was that yes it? because the um, whole joke the whole is show that he is, was named... he is related to the main character Al Bundy Al Bundy because they, like, they were ha, named ha, ha, after ha, ha. him what, like was that one did he do wrestling in that all I know is that he was on the show I don't know if he did wrestling in that I know obviously Boy okay. Meets World has the wrestling episode where they do wrestle they got Vader and shit um that seventy oh. show had the episode where The Rock plays a fictionalized version of his own dad. Ha! That's funny. He, like, he plays Rocky Johnson. Oh, shit. And makes a ton of, you know, fourth-wall meta jokes about his Oh, son, absolutely. Of course. Uh, see, I know there's the Always Sunny episode. Um, oh, there, yeah? There's, always sunny there's, the, there's the big one, and then they just kept having Roddy Piper come back and a guest, yeah. which is, which is a, one of their best side characters, is, yeah. is the, uh, the maniac, I have to say. There's Sabrina, the teenage witch, where she had to do a thing and she wrestled Natty really? ass in like a magical dimension of some sort. Really? Billy Gunn of all people. Yeah. Well, that rules. Um, what other ones can I think of? Those are the big 90s um, ones I could think of. Fuck. Um Well, obviously, so in terms of full series, uh, we have uh, Steven Steven Universe had two different wrestling episodes. Were those wrestling? Network. Yes, those were big. Like they did a ton of wrestling, jo- like wrestling okay. related. See, I like Steven, it. U- like Steven Universe, like becomes a manager. Oh, okay. Of a wrestler. Oh, fuck! You're right. Okay. See, he even I does a heel that. turn, and everyone hates. Yeah, him. Tiger, the Tiger Manager. Yeah, which is like he does like a weird, like fucking Ted DiBiase thing, doesn't he? Like the yeah. Tiger Millionaire. He becomes or becomes a million dollar man pastiche. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Fucking. Uh, uh, yeah, see, I watched Steven Universe before I became a wrestling fan, so that went right over my head. Yeah, and then there are wrestling show. there's, um, a short-lived, uh, but infamous, um, sitcom. I'll say, let's start, I'll use the transition to talk about shows about wrestling versus mm-hmm. shows that had a wrestling episode, uh, because there was, in the 80s, uh, there was a short-lived, like it was canceled before they ever like did a full run of it, but they did do a pilot that has since been leaked to the interwebs of Tag Team, where um, Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura play two wrestlers that get blackballed from the industry and then go on to become cops to make the ends meet. And they use wrestling moves as part of... They find a way to use their wrestling Wait, skills what? as cops. Oh my God, that rules. Like they were a tag team and they'd just be like, hey, remember when we did this? Remember we fought this team? Oh, yeah, I know. And then they do a double team move. They did. They, they turn they to each other and go, team. double clothesline. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Then we do go a while, I think. I can't think of any shows about wrestling. Um, Until we get to the 2000s, we get um, 
Mucha Lucha, uh, yes. Cartoon Network, which I adore that show. We need to someday watch Mucha Lucha. I'm, I'm super into that idea. I will never forget the foremost international world-renowned school of Lucha. Doesn't Rey Mysterio like have a role in that? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but the main character is named Ricochet. And while I can't confirm that's where Ricochet, the ex-Prince Puma, got his ring name, ah, the timeline matches up that, quite frankly, I want to believe that is where he got it. I can believe it. Um, We currently have Heels airing on Stars. if anyone watches yes. that. I, uh, look, I, I have other ways of getting access to Heels, okay? So I'm, I'm here for it. Hey, and there's even, and of course, movies about wrestling. So many movies about wrestling. Yes. Just even the ones that I could just think of off the top of my head. I mean, you got the wrestler from the 1970s, not the good one. Not the one the good that the, one. The one that the AWA put out to show how cool and awesome wrestling was, and it looks like total shit. Oh, um, no. There's Body Slam. That was a movie starring uh, Roddy Piper and the Tongan Kid. And uh, Lou Albano was in it. Charles Nelson Riley was in it. Oh, hey, him. That movie's insane uh, from everything I've ever seen of it. Um, There's a lot of... I looked up The Wrestler 1974, and I'm getting a lot of like what seems to be um, wrestling... Uh, like wrestling themed movies out there yeah they're you know <clears throat> um we have 2000 we have uh we have the wrestler is kind we of the, the, the wrestler is, is is really the gold standard as, as wrestling movies go though mm -hmm. hey it may get a contender this year uh oh with iron claw oh eight, like oh, 824 oh. Fuck yes! Oh, I'm so fucking hyped for that movie. Yeah, like I think that could be a contender of like the best wrestling movie. Uh, Ready to Rumble in 2000, sponsored by WCW. Um, yes. I have the hot take that I don't really like it. Oh, I thought that wasn't a terribly hot take. It for a wider audience, no. For a wrestling audience, that's definitely a hot take to not like oh. Ready to Rumble. Oh no. Like, but for me, it's the exact... If I told you it's a David Arquette comedy in the year 2000, it's, it's exact... The comedy exactly is what exactly you what like. you think it is, and I don't yeah. like that kind of bro comedy of the early that's, 2000s, that's late 90s. Fair. So, like, I can't like Ready to Rumble that much. That's fair. That's not my, <laughs> like, favorite type of comedy either, to be fair. Yeah, um... Oh, I forgot when we are talking wrestling TV shows, The Young Rock... Young Rock, I yes. About that. Um, um, because I'm that reminds because I was reminded about is fighting with my family. The yes. uh, story loose, the Florence Pugh movie, loosely based on the life of Paige a, or, or Sarah, Paige Soraya Knight, Soraya Knight, uh, with the Rock in it as executive yeah. producer and there for the one scene that is in every trailer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course. You know, obviously a major <laughs> part of the movie, and, and also gets him on the poster too. Yeah, uh, um, Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre, which is uh, one of the the rare, so the one of the surprisingly rare wrestling movies, at least for the modern era, that exists purely within kayfabe. 
Yeah, so that's I was gonna talk about the. I guess I'll talk about it now before we get into glow. Um, but I think all, it, it's really it would be real. It's really cliche to say that all wrestling media falls into three categories about kayfabe. Yes, no, or maybe. But <laughs> it is kind of how it works. Is some wrestling movies pretend that wrestling is real. Nacho yeah. Libre does it. Uh, the Wrestler nineteen seventy four does it. No Hard probably does it. No, I for how did I forget? No holds barred. Yeah, probably well, that's because, the thing. Yeah, f- fucking the Hogan joint. Um, you know, no holds barred does it. Um, yeah, I uh, I am actually I I've, I've probably mentioned this on the pod before. I'm currently writing a play that takes place in kayfabe. So like, I can't I can't even judge that genre because I'm fucking leaning into it. I mean, I'm not gonna judge it either. Uh, Body Slam does makes wrestling all realsies. Uh, yep. There are shows where they kind of lean towards wrestling not being real, but it's not consistent enough that like it makes sense. And I'll like I'll put I'll use Ready to Rumble as kind of the peak example of this of where wrestling is portrayed as fake. A whole joke in the story, a whole joke in the movie is that the two main protagonists are stupid and think it's real because yeah. they're they're two immature man children who don't know that it's fake. However, yeah. the action in the movie, even during scenes that are supposed to be like real, do conventional wrestling bullshit in turn like like there's a scene where Diamond Dallas Page does a shoot match on Oliver Platt's character, and he does like a monkey flip to <laughs> Oliver Platt. And it's like, no, no, that doesn't like you couldn't do that in a shoot. Like, so that's what I mean. Is like sometimes yeah. they're kind of like iffy on like, like they'd be like wrestling is fake, but also when the action is, it, it looks the same. The there's no difference totally between legit. real wrestling and fake wrestling in terms of the action yep and then there are stories that portray wrestling fully as fake uh the wrestler um and is the biggest example of this that's fully uh because the story they're trying to tell is more about um like there's because they're trying to tell a story about like the how the industry affects the wrestler affects uh randy the ram the wrestling is fake so, sidebar about the wrestler Br- brilliant movie love that movie depressing fucking movie. it is oh. it's it's it, it's the peak of wrestling t- hollywood media to this point i would say but also yeah. so so sad it is it is very sad um but one one sidebar one thing that will eternally crack me up about the wrestler is even like even like the wrestler can't help but be a little bit tropey in that, you know, the main character's ring name is, you know, Randy the Ram. And then, like, partway through the movie that we find out that his last name is fucking, like, Ramzinski or something like that. It's like, okay, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even even the best can't help but but live in, live in the tropes a little bit. You'll love to see it. Yeah. Uh, and the show that we're talking about today... Yes. is also very firmly in that cat. Now that we've covered a a not nearly sufficient history. Uh, oh, I was going to say is I was thinking wrestling where wrestling's not fake. I th- I think fighting with my family might actually be in that maybe. I've never seen it. 
but it seems oh, like it, I have, I've, you know, not. I didn't love what it. It's like it seemed kind of eh. That's fair. Um, but that scene, like from the vibes I got from that movie, it felt like kind of straddling a line between like how real this is. Okay. And how? And oh, Foxcatcher is about wrestling. I didn't realize. Oh, but it, maybe it's Olympic wrestling. Yeah, it might be. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Glow, Glow. Yes. Is this is a Netflix show? It first season was in uh, twenty seventeen. Uh, I believe they just kind. Of, I think it just went twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Yes, it did. It went twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when the last season aired. Because I was living in, I remember the living in in my last apartment. Yes, uh, during that last, like that was that su- fall of, of 2019, my last semester at OSU. Yep, and like binging that uh, right before binging the that world season shut three. The fuck down. Yeah, I remember, but I remember like sitting on that couch, sitting on my couch, and like binging that whole se- season three. Yeah, um, but. The show, it's funny because we talked about the potential. We talked about the 2012 Glow documentary, and we talked about, hey, maybe this inspired Netflix's Glow, and it did. Actually. Oh, you you the got series, confirmation? Yeah, the series creators, uh, Liz, uh, Liz, I so apologize for I'm gonna probably fuck up some of these names. Uh, Liz Flehive, uh, she were she was a. A producer and a story editor and writer on Nurse Jackie, as well as a producer and writer for Homeland yeah. uh, before uh, Glow. And uh, Carly Mensch, who had, um, she was a, she uh, wrote, uh, let's see, she had written and produced for Weeds, Nurse Jackie, and Orange is the New Black. Uh, that's kind of her pedigree there. Uh, but they, knew of wrestling and then they watched they actually came they kind of came across the 2012 glow documentary it was on netflix for a time and they were really enthralled by the story and wanted to kind of do a fictionalized version of it okay that's actually really sick yeah and so i they're like they i'm gonna uh you know they talked they did a, a thing with the rolling stones and they talked about how they really love this kind of the premise of it and they wanted to produce a fictionalized version of it and they talked about and i want these are kind of some some themes and ideas that i at least want like before we go into this i want to like put out there in the front that this is what they were trying to do okay is this is a quote from the wikipedia page uh summarizing something from the rolling stone article they did about the show uh, they found the storyline intriguing as a way of exploring the aftermath of the 1970s women's liberation movement with Flahive telling Rolling Stone and wanted to look back on the 70s coming out of the women's movement and into the 80s and ask the question, did it work? Did things get better? To this end, it was important for the series to maintain a tension between whether the League was exploiting women or empowering them. Oh, okay. I mean, I have... And as someone who's seen the entire series, I very much get that, like, tension of, like, how much is this exploitive? How much is this empowering? Yes. And how is it kind of both in the full series, having watched... Even as someone who's seen only, like, part of it all the way through, like, yeah. That is... That... I've never noticed that before, but that does lay at the base of all of this that is the underlying dramatic tension is the fight for dignity within glow holy shit yeah so brilliant god this series is so good 
Yeah, so they, you know, they they kind of uh, we'll talk I'll talk we'll talk a little bit about how they changed the premise, probably more in the back half, because I want to yeah. like save that for when we're talking about the show. But there were people involved in the original glow, at least a few people who were part of the show. Um, the big name is Ursula Hayden, who was the owner of the Glow Company at this point, and mm-hmm. more specifically was the original uh, bar- Babe the Farmer's Daughter on the original Glow. Oh, yes! She was then owner of the Glow Company, and so she served as a consultant to the series and helped them kind of create the show. And Chavo Guerrero served as a series consultant and helped kind of train the actresses. And that's significant because his uncle Mando Guerrero, as we talked about before, he served the exact same role for the original series. Yes, which is so wild. It's so, like, sick. So the series stars um, uh, Allison Brie as... Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just talk... I mean, it's really the big three in terms of yes. like starring players of the series, especially in season one, uh, mm-hmm. it's Al- Allison Brie as Ruth, Betty Gilpin as Debbie, and Mark Marin mm-hmm. as Sam Sylvia. Oh my god! Uh, don't want to get too deep into who those characters are yet, because again, we are going to talk about the episode that will in establish the back, them yeah. Yeah. soon enough. But those are the big main three stars, and honestly, had never really known much about any of them. Mm-mm. before i watch glow um i watched you know i watched glow as it aired all three seasons um yep. because you know i you know in the internet wrestling community people were going crazy for glow it was a big netflix joint i would still hold it as a as one of netflix's finest of original series and certainly and certainly up there among like wrestling related hollywood content like top tier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. among that 100%. but you know i had ne- like i had never watched anything that allison brie had been in in yep. 2017 i never watched mad men never watched community never watched bojack horseman i've since rewatched. i've since watched the second the latter two of those hey betty gilpin i know even less about her actually yeah uh she was on she starred in nurse jackie which actually makes sense now house where the connection with glow her is yeah the series where she comes from there um all i know uh, the, the thing i know about her outside of that is like she was like this last year in a movie about like a badass nun and she was the badass nun <laughs> oh mrs davis holy shit yeah I that's her ad- i see ads for that because you know it's on peacock yeah, but like because she is like in the in, in the nun's nun habit. wear, I I can never tell that's her. <laughs> I, I it. it took me a second, but I remember seeing the trailer once, and like toward the end, being like, "Wait, hold the fuck up, hold!" Well, I know that face. Oh, I honestly thought it was Nicole Kidman at first, and then I looked it up. I'm like, "Oh, never mind." No, and then Mark Marin, you know, he's he's been a long time stand up comedian throughout the nineties yeah. and the two thousands. That's something um, I learned about him is that is that he does like he usually does stand up with his wild yeah you know and played it he, so well dude dude has been was in, was on like all the shows of all the all the late night comedy shows of that era he's been on at least like once um and he has his podcast WTF with Mark Marin um dude which he is, seems like really based IRL I quite like what I've seen of seems him. like a cool dude. 
Yeah. Um, and he does actually really like wrestling. He said multiple episodes of his podcast where he is a wrestling fan. Oh, shit. You know, I think everyone on the show kind of gained an appreciation for wrestling through doing the show. That's the sense I get from listening to interviews about it. Okay. But like Marin is like, dude actually knows his stuff. <laughs> Marin's a full ass mark. Yeah, yeah. That's and awesome. And so, you know, the series, you know, I was saying I watched it as it aired. Um, mm-hmm. I followed along with the drama about the fourth season and I almost, I, I don't, I don't really want to go into it. Cause it's like, we're not, I don't know if we're ever going to even cover the whole series, you know, like yeah. it feels, feels, and it's like later season problems. Um, yeah. really, mm-hmm. but the series, it was kind of up in the air. They were going to cancel it. And then, you know, Oh, I think there was like a lot of rumors it was going to be canceled, but then in September 2019, they did renew it. Yep. But then, you know, the COVID happened. The COVID. The COVID inning. The corona happened. And, you know, eventually in October 2020, Netflix decided to shut, reverse the decision on it and just cancel the show. That's from production. I still can't believe they did that. And I I hate that because, you know, I think that, First of all, it's shitty that they're just like, fuck you. We're going to cancel the show a year after we promised we were going to bring it back. Yep. Um, we already renewed it, you know. But also, I feel like, you know, I we jo- I joked about it in the intro, but I do. I ended season three. I, my, my feelings on each season are like progressively a little bit worse every time. <laughs> like season one, I think, is a masterpiece. Season two is really good. Uh, but in my mind, in some places, lacked focus. And then season three doubled down on my feelings of it lacking focus. Um, but I felt like they ended on a really interesting point at the end of season three. And I was really invested in like where these characters go from here. Yep. And, th- and it felt like they had one more season in them. Yeah, you know, exactly. It felt like, felt like the story had one more season to go. And then we'll never know now. Now we'll never know. know. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, David, how about you talk about your time with Globe? Yeah. um, Out of other things to talk about. Well, I will, because, well, the thing thing for me is, like, I knew that you liked Glow. um, And it was always one that was generally on my radar. And I think, honestly, what got me to watch is that Kyle put it on our, like, piracy server or whatever. Um, And it was... My, th- this, this was like, I had watched The Wrestler, but, uh, other than that, this was kind of like my first big experience with like, um, you know, wrestling media about the industry in a way that is, that is like, you know, shoot again. I, I had, wa- I had watched The Wrestler, so that was kind of like my first big, big one, but like Glow is the one that like has really stuck with me. Wrestler is a, is a deeply depressing masterpiece and insane a showcase from uh um um uh, fuck now i can't remember who, who the is the actor um oh, mickey, mickey rourke, mickey rourke. Um, yeah tremendous tremendous fucking showcase from mickey rourke um and but but like man it's it's t- it's a tough watch glow is i i <laughs> I loved, uh, it, again, it's kind of like, you know, your, your typical prestige dramedy, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I like the way it manages to infuse 
both levity and um, gravity mm-hmm. to to a tremendous balance. You never feel as though the show's like tonally whiplashing. Like like BoJack Horseman is a show that does a bit of tonal whiplash, and like that's on purpose. But like, holy shit, the 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 whip between comedy and drama is so like it's so fucked sometimes. Um, to bring in another Allison Brie joint, but um, Glow feels really, really real in a very in a way that's very distinct from the wrestler. It doesn't feel like it's trying to force its hand on one genre or other. It feels like, even though it's obviously like you know dramatizing and fictionalizing, and you know it's it's more like an homage to the original Glow than it is like a straight retelling of how it came to be. Um, it, yeah, it, it feels it, it, what, what really appealed to me about it is how like mired in a, in reality it is. It doesn't, um, without, without like dragging you down, it's, it almost feels like a sort of like slice of life, except for, um, a bunch of lady wrestlers. Um, uh, and that's the thing. It's a great. It's a tremendous, it's a tremendous ensemble piece. And whereas the wrestler is the, you know, is this, you know, giant like dirge on how f- much it fucking sucks to work for the industry. Glow, as you mentioned earlier, has this tremendous through line about um, a, this group of women who come from all walks of life trying to find dignity within, you know, this thing that they are trailblazing. Um, but they're what they're trailblazing is something that is inherently exploitative and it's them trying to find mm-hmm. their own power within it. Yeah. Um, and I think that create for, for me that, that really drew me in. Um, and again, I don't get a chance to watch a whole lot of like TV on the regular, you know, I barely keep up with wrestling on a weekly basis. Um, so it's, it's a show that I've been, you know, slowly but surely plotting through, but every time I sit down to watch it, I am sucked in. And for good reason, it's, it's tremendous. And I've, I've loved, uh, I've loved getting to, you know, go through it. And I'm excited to now knowing what I know this far in on uh, this far into the show, going back and revisiting it's, it's earliest moments and kind of seeing like where it's like, like where it started. I think I've watched the first couple seasons a couple of times. I think yeah. I, I have only watched the third season the once. And okay. I think that, you know, I think that says something. Uh, but um, but the first season, I said I adore it. I've watched it multiple times. I'm kind of interested to kind of dig into it on this like podcaster trying to do a review kind of way mm-hmm. of looking at the an- analysis of the show instead of just being like, show good. Yeah. Yeah, to really talk about it um, from our lens as wrestling critics yeah uh, which is a weird thing to say we are but that is effectively kind of what we are um, yeah i, for, I for, like I, yeah i want to i want to kind of touch on before we like send us off to the end of the front half here i want i do want to touch on like the um the how it's different like the sense that it is different that it's not it's not a a a fictionalized retelling of glow it kind of doesn't even try to be like it doesn't even follow the show doesn't really try to follow the story of Glow in any meaningful sense. No. Like it takes it's an homage. It takes 
the kind of aesthetic it takes the idea of like oh, we have a whim we're starting a women's wrestling show in the 80s we're going to audition actresses to play the characters instead of like finding established wrestling talent yeah. um and it will be a cult hit um it kind of other than that and i mean people well, and, and, and also too, like every single every single like wrestler character they create in the show has a one-to-one with an uh, well either one-to-one or like or like bit. is an amalgamation like we like zoya liberty bell um uh machu picchu um a whole bunch of them are either like are either directly linked or have like or, or like an amalgamation or send up of an idea that's happening a little bit um I, they don't fill the same roles within the show, though. I no, think is the important no. part is neither neither in terms of like their show characters or their IRL or like the IRL. Well, especially not the IRL. Is, and that I just want to bring it up is this because like that was a mild controversy when the show yes. came up. Not not obviously not with the larger audience because they don't give a shit. Um yeah. But, 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 you know, being in the weeds with the wrestling audience too deep in the discourse is me, you know, I, you know, I've seen a lot of that conversation and I, I understand both sides. I, I think I largely lean on the side of, I don't care about this because I don't think it's trying to be, I think at first it tells, it it keeps a pretty respectful tone of the overall Mm -hmm. of the glow story, even even if it's not trying to do gl- tell the glow, I think accurately. And I think the fact that it's not trying to portray itself as like, I don't, it doesn't feel as based on a true story as a lot of based on a true story media gets yeah. in trying to portray itself as like, this is how it happened. And I think that gives it a lot of wee- leeway for me. Um, I definitely think that people are more accepting of Glow than, for example, Nacho Libre, which huh. does also pulls from a IRL story of the story the of Fry Tormenta, um, a, a man of the cloth who became a wrestler to raise money to help orphaned kids yes. um, and turn that into a Jack Black slapstick comedy. Um, I've, so I think I've, people generally, I think people, a lot more people look at that as like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? And also, like, and also made kayfabe real in mm-hmm. the in the movie. Right, right. Um, but that was a source of. I do understand why people, especially fans of Glow or people of the original version of who actually were part of Glow, would look at the Glow Netflix show and kind of and not really like the fact that this is this is going to be the pop culture thought of what Glow kind of was like. Right, like even if it's not trying to be tell a true, be a based on a true story kind of a show, you know, the original Glow was a niche within a niche. Yeah, most people's idea of Glow is not going to be like the '80s show. It is going to be the 2012 Netflix show. Yes, although I will say two things on that front. First of all, while it is not remotely like the actual story of how it went down having watched a few episodes of the actual glow show um i gotta say 
what the what Netflix Glow represents to be like the actual Glow Show in universe is not terribly far off. No, from I what we were I don't, given. We're, we're not going to get far enough into the series to really touch on it, but they do. I do think that the Netflix Glow Show did a very good job of emulating what like OG Glow, like the show, like, yeah. was like. Yeah, like it, it, again, constant it's a, it's back a, and forth skits, match, 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 yeah, never no, like, stop for anything. Um, legitimately, um, like having watched it, I don't think it's accurate to say like it doesn't do a good job of portraying what Glow was. Um, and second of all, I feel like to I I understand where that critique's coming from, but I frankly feel like that's missing the forest for the trees. Um, I and this is my own bias as an artist and as a as a consumer of art. But I am someone who highly values the power of using a framework for adaptation and for the, uh, for the communication of themes. Um, Glow is that to a T, and I think that's one of the reasons I, I really like it. Um, uh, is um, it, it uses this, it uses the idea that there was this thing, IRL, glow um that was a you know very kitschy ladies wrestling promotion ladies only wrestling promotion that it gained its own little cult following i think it uses that framework to tell that very interesting underlying thematic story and i think that's what's important um and again everybody's baggage is different coming into this again especially the people who worked on glow originally or were like the original fans of the actual glow um but i feel like it would be inaccurate to call this a disservice to the original, even if it has all these, you know, even if it's not meant to be like the most factually accurate version of it, um, because it's, it's, it's examining the impact that glow had within its own little community on the culture and examining broader what it means to partake in an industry like this. Mm -hmm. um again in a way that's not that's not like really fucking depressing that that's 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 kind of the main thing the main other thing for me too that i really want to harp on is like you know with with the wrestler or even like heels um Mm -hmm. heels does this too i've seen a couple episodes of heels i need to watch it all the way through but like heels feels like it is a tragedy at the end of the day it feels like it was created to be a shakespearean or a you know greek tragedy um Glow does not feel like that. Glow feels like an uplifting experience to go into. Even as the characters face hardship, at the end of the day, it is an uplifting experience. And I think that fact ultimately makes it a tremendous send-up to the original. Because the original Glow is kitschy and it's stupid and the work on it is not great. But dear God, I... I remember we watched it for the show and I came out of it being like, that was thoroughly charming and like delightful. And I'm not angry. It, yeah. it was, it was an uplifting experience. And I think low the Netflix series emulates that feeling to mm. a T in its own way. And I think that is the ultimate homage that it can pay to the original series. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <clears throat> like I said, when we watch OG glow, if I had, been if i had been of like the age to watch wrestling while this was airing it would have been like my preach the gospel wrestling in the same way that lucha underground was yes. in the irl 
yeah. for realsies. Um, yeah, I like that. Of like, I think even if it's not telling a factual narrative of Glow, I think it does a fantastic job of matching the spirit of Glow. And honestly, it's super in there for the wrestling end for the wrestling industry to just kind of like retell the story however you want to retell the story, even if you keep the spirit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think this is a much better way of doing it than, you know, like, you know, the Hulk Hogan's of the world will will partake in such. Well, I don't know what you're trying to say, dude. <laughs> you know, brother, they were going to ask me to consult on <laughs> Netflix's glow, dude. You know, they 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 asked the Hulkster to be the to be the trainer on the original Glow series, dude. And then I and I almost said yes, but then uh then I got a call from uh from Vince and he said he said, "Hulk, we're going to need more from you." And I said I said, "Well, gee, Vince, I'm I'm here uh helping all these women uh start their own league and and you know, and you know, Vince being Vince said, "Ah, who cares about the women?" And I said, "I, I do, Vince." And he said, well, "I care about the women. Dude. I care about the women, brother." <laughs> but then Hulk. Vince offered me a shit ton of money, and I couldn't say no. You know, Hulk Hogan going on the Bubba the Love Sponge show to talk about how he was almost the the uh, the create the uh, trainer for the for Glow. True. Um, uh, I would have, I would have done Netflix's show, dude. But they didn't want to give up. They didn't want to give the lead role to my daughter Brooke, brother. She gonna, she was gonna be the original no. lady. She was gonna be the original Liberty Bell, dude. But then they oh got that god. Betty Gal. But then they got that Betty Galpin girl, brother. Oh my she? god! Wait, wait! You're not even fucking wrong. Oh my god! Wait! Oh god! That would actually be. I could actually unironically see that as like. The as like Hogan's reasoning for wanting nothing to do with that show is he tried to get Brooke on it and they said no, dude. He said, "Well, fuck you anyway, brother." Fuck um, you, brother. You know, I almost slept with the with the Nashko brother. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So tonight we are gonna watch the first two episodes of Netflix's Glow. There are ten. There are ten episodes a season, mm-hmm. um, and we're gonna watch the first two. Just an Hell easy yeah. breezy hour length of television. Ain't no uh, thing. If you'd like to watch along with us, I mean, we said it a bunch. It aired on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yes, <laughs> that is where you go. Um, if. And so we'll be back in the back half to discuss Glow, Season 1, Episode 1, and Episode 2. Hell yeah. And we are back. We have finished the first two episodes of Netflix's Glow. Yes. Holy shit, this is such a good show. Oh my god. God damn. 100 episodes, 124 episodes of wrestling shit. And I like what the we've almost we forgotten doing? what watching regular TV looks like. <laughs> I know it's so bizarre. Wait, it's scripted. Wait, it's quality controlled. Fuck. What? I'm not just rolling some cosmic dice for whether I'm going to get something good this time. Like there's consistency. That's neat. And yeah, in a podcast first, I know what we I, I have actually seen the thing we are watching. I know I mentioned that in the first half, but I really need to drive this home. Like, this was so wild for me. Like, taking notes on a thing that not only I have watched, but I have watched past this. So, like, there is so much, like, 
knowledge that I'm coming in with that allows me to like see into this show in a way I can't really do anytime else on our podcast. This yeah. is like this is this is David getting to get it. This is a little treat for David, I think. David getting to to stretch his uh um media analysis wings a little bit, you know, flap flap away. Yeah, like for me, this is you know, like I said, I think season one of this show in particular is a masterpiece. And I was, mm. I like, I spent the hour and nine minutes watching this show. Hey, this, it was 69 minutes of episode. Hold on a minute. Hey. Nice. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I spent that whole time watching and be like, oh my God, I, this show is so good. Yep. No, that was me. That was me the entire time too. I was like, holy fuck. I remember why this show like grabbed me so much. Yeah. And I and how much I like need to finish it now. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we want to go on a binge of it and just keep going. Yeah, cause... yeah. I gotta. I I left off. I left off in the middle of season two. I gotta pick that shit back up. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so how do we want to do this this time? Because it's like normally we just kind of go. We kind of just go forward through the I mean, show. I'm, but do I want to kind of jump around on it. I, I kind of had forward going notes. Um, mm -hmm. There might be a little bit of like jumping around, but I'm good kind of like going forward and like, um, you know, we don't necessarily have to like do this, you know, full ass recap, but like, you know, talk about the shit that's going on scene by scene and kind of what, what there is to talk about. Cause again, there is so much, this show is so fucking detail oriented. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I want to start at the very beginning because like, fuck dude, the, um, the, them doing the, we, we open, there's no cold open to the first episode. We jump straight into a, to a theme song and off the bat, it's sick as fuck. Yeah. So the, the opening is I am the warrior. Yeah. I, I think it's just the, it's the warrior, the warrior. Okay. The um, warrior by, uh, who's this by? I, I should have looked this up beforehand. Scandal, the warrior by scandal, the warrior by scandal, and it's so them. It's it's one of those songs that's like too thematically perfect to deny. It's like it was created for this show. Mm -hmm. Um, fucking uh, because again, it's it's all about like uh, you know, finding your strength and da 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 da. -da. I am um, the warrior. Yeah, victory is mine. Yeah, yeah, I know it's so good, and and holy shit, they. The animation in the opening is sick too. It's it's fucking rotoscoped neon, which looks yep, metal amazing. as hell. It's awesome. Uh, and like, there's a sudden fade out at the end of the the opening credits, which is weirdly anticlimactic, but that almost feels really fitting of like '80s era aesthetic too. I yeah. don't know if that was on purpose, but it feels like it feels like a very '80s touch to just have like the rock power ballad just kind of like fade out of the opening yeah. scene. I always, always love the the very obvious, like they rotoscoped the Bailey to Belly to Sasha Banks from Takeover. Oh, they did. I mean, it's it's the same exact motion, but like you see the Bailey to Belly, you see the you, you get to see the Bailey to Belly, and the cell looks exactly like how Sasha sells it, like the way no that Sasha, way. like the way that Sasha kicks her feet up and gets all ragdolls hard. So they weren't on it. rotoscoping. At least entirely original footage. They were yeah, I think so. pre-existing shit. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think it was all original footage. If they had someone do that, then they had someone like recreate that shot. That's so wild. But I love. 
That's that's brilliant, actually. Like, fuck, what a... Tr- this show is set up as a tribute to, like, lady wrestling from the get-go. That's so fucking mm-hmm. cool. Um, so we open the show um, with our protagonist, Ruth, played brilliantly by Allison Brie. Yep. I called it the trailer monologue because <laughs> the they did put because yeah. they put this in the trailer. They put oh this yeah, monologue in the trailer. This this sound this sounds about. I can see them like playing clips of it and then like cutting to like these clips of like them yeah. doing in ring work and shit. Oh, I can so see that. Um, yeah. So we open we open with our uh, with our protagonist. Uh, she she's she's giving a monologue. Um, uh, at, at one point in the monologue, there's a line about. Uh, there are bad guys. There, are, there are bad guys. A yo and a yo, and we're the good guys. God damn it. Um, but yes, no. It's so this we, part of this like is like she's reading this part as like corporate executive. Yeah, who like you know it's an and, eight like a classic eighties. And we find out she's career. auditioning for right for a um for a part um, right, and then you know. The, the casting director clears her throat at the end and she's like, uh, and, 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 or, or, or Allison Brie, uh, Ruth goes, you know, I just want to thank you so much for bringing me in for this. There aren't parts written like this for women these days. Mm-hmm. And the right, casting right. director goes, um, yeah, you read the man's part. And then Allison Oof. Brie has to like, and Owie. And yeah, then, and then her she has line, to read like a And the actual bit. line is, uh, your, uh, sir, your wife is on line two. Yeah. So off the bat, I want to talk about like fuck the detail orientation in this show. Okay. This scene uh, from the get-go is a brilliant example of thematic setup. We we start with our protagonist obviously, and from the get-go, we it is centered on her defying expectations in some form or other, mm-hmm. especially as it comes to gendered expectations. She is taking on a traditionally male role brazenly ignoring the path set out for her it is later revealed that she read literally the did part this on by, purpose right literally um, doing that by refusing yeah. to read the part that she knew she was there to audition for yes uh and then uh and then pulling the rug out from underneath the viewer as like we're reminded of the reality of gender politics in the 80s yeah um, this like we talk, like we we brought up in the front half this theme of like the show's ability to empower, like the the in universe glow being yeah. empowering, and I think and they do a fantastic job of setting up well, again, on both sides, and we will empowering and exploitation on both sides, and we will get to Debbie in a second later. Yes, right yes. about this, but they set up Ruth's journey to glow perfectly of like, she is a struggling actress who can't get cast in anything because, because uh, Hollywood says she's not attractive and okay. Yeah. Time okay. out. Of course <laughs> I, we got to no, 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 be no. here. We got to do wait, this. Wait, 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 but... wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, hold up. Hold up. Note for the filmmakers. Alison Brie is the wrong person to cast. <laughs> if you want to make this point. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know how much experience Allison Brie had in in the real world with this kind of thing. Maybe she did, and maybe she didn't. But it's always funny to me. Like, and I'm not saying that you can never tell a story about a girl who is considered not necessarily conventionally gorgeous. But it's always so so funny how Hollywood's base standards for attractiveness means that these parts are always played by people who are who are attractive. Like well, yeah, the idea that Allison Brie is not a, 
she's puffy. Her hair is puffy and brunette, so that makes her that makes her not right. hot. Actually, like the idea that Allison Brie is not definitely no debates attractive is hilarious. It's always it's hilarious when attractive. that happens. Yeah, I know. Um, fuck, but yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So brilliant. Um, brilliant thematic setup from the get go. And so, and I think, um, and I think also is I think that you know I is that it's like. Not only is, 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 I think it's like two, I think her struggles in Hollywood do come from twofold. Obviously it's this, this like idea that she doesn't fit Hollywood beauty standards, but also she like takes no shit. She doesn't want, she's, she doesn't want the stupid bit parts. Like if this is the, if this is the kind of role that like she is fighting to have something significant, even if it's not, even if that means she doesn't get work at all. And that is, I don't want to, it's so hard to not like tie these things into future seasons and stuff, but this kind of attitude of like, Ruth doesn't want these stupid bit parts for women. She wants things that mat roles that matter that Mm. can carries forward in her relationship with glow and the uh, the the possibilities of what of what happens with as she le- without glow yes uh oh oh 100 percent um and i it, it stands in in delightful contrast as you said to debbie who we'll get to in a minute um as the plot moves forward uh we see ruth in the bathroom and then she decides to so she she's in the bathroom. She's also she's honestly, guessing. if I had to pick a third reason why she can't get success in Hollywood right now, is it's because she's prop she's a little bit too intense. Oh, she's, like, she's a little she's a little too intense. A hundred percent. She stalks, she like hangs out in the fucking bathroom of this place for an hour, waiting for the casting director to come back in, go well, yeah, to the bathroom she, so she, she can uh, cost her in the stall. She attended the Drago School of Career Advancement, you know? Right. Uh, Rule number one, meet your opponent in the bathroom. Rule number two, always meet your opponent in the bathroom. Yeah, and um, so she, like, she asked this casting director, like, what did I, you, you always bring me in for this and you never cast me for anything. Like, what am I doing wrong? And the casting director's like, I bring you in because every director is like, give me something different. Give me someone who's real. And then I bring you in so that they realize they don't actually want what they think they want. That's so, which is so. That's so hard. Up. That's so fucked up. It is. That's, that's that's really fucked up on a on a number of levels. Like, um, the again the the complacency almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of showing the complacency of of you know the mainstream, even of women in the mainstream, just being like, "Yep, no, that's how it is. That's what we that's what we do yeah. with it." And it kind of leads to this callousness even toward like other women um right really uh, yeah again the little details and then after that she offers her porn like yeah well so so she (laughs) i love this line i do she she kind of sheepishly goes i do cast some experimental projects on the side which yep what an oddly specific side hustle how yeah how does one get into the field of experimental projects casting like what what do you have to do what do you need to go to school for how do you (laughs) How do you apply to be? How do you an get? How do you get in? How do you get into the? How do you get into like the porn casting world? Like, yeah, casting director for pornography. But it didn't. Like, how, the way she where, made it sound. Where, how does a, your career path go for that? 
But it wasn't. That's the thing. It's not just porn that she. Well, I I I took it as like that was her being nice about it before Ruth asked. Well, no, because Ruth like because Ruth's like, is it porn? She's like, nah. Unless you're okay with that. So like, I feel like she has eyes to both. Because because Ruth asked what that means, and she goes, "How do you feel about erotica?" And then she's like, "Porn in the valley," and she's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you to have sex on camera unless you're okay with that." Like ah, it was all okay. the offer was always porn. Okay, okay, that's fair. Um, I thought, it, yeah, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so either way, um, we we then meet we then meet our kind of secondary lead of the show, Debbie. Debbie. Yeah, e. we get it's the eighties, baby. That means we gotta go to Jazzercise. Yes, baby. We love us some fucking jazz. I want to take this moment now that we're talking about such something so quintessentially eighties is jazzercise. But I want to talk about something I really like about the aesthetic of this show. And it's something that's harder to appreciate this early, I think, but easier to appreciate later Mm -hmm. when they, when glow, like the show starts. Yeah. Right. Is the, they talked about I looked when I was looking through interviews about from the Pete from the uh, creators of the show, they wanted to create a realistic interpretation of the 80s. They didn't like a lot of problem with eight with media that is playing to 80s nostalgia, which Glow certainly fits into. Is it is it takes a nostalgic look at what the 80s looked like? It's always a little bit more colorful and bright and fun. Yeah. And especially as a contrast to the cartoony nonsense that glow the show will be. They created a world where like it's you can tell it's the 80s. You look at the style, you look at what is popular, you look at the conversations and the pop culture. It feels like the 80s. But oh, 100%. It, but it still feels like a realistic look at what the 80s was like. It has well, enough grittiness and realism to feel like it's not being it's not creating this false idea of the 80s. Well, it feels it, it feels so intentional too. The real, the drabness of the real world, it almost feels like they played it up a little bit to stand in contrast. Yeah. To the, oh, I'm like, sure they did. Yeah. Uh, it's so gray. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's not in a way that feels like, I don't know, harsh or like grimdark. Mm-hmm. Just in a way that adds like it feels some normal. real world grit to it. Yeah. It, it feels, feels exceedingly normal. normal. And with Ruth and Debbie... Both of them are unsatisfied with their normal. Yes. Although, so this is where I want to talk about this. Something I okay. noticed now that mm. I was like familiar with the the character of Debbie um, mm. is her framing from the very first moment is brilliant. She reads in she reads just visually as perfect. So she's in the class, dead center. Her her outfit is color coordinated, which I, I also noticed baby baby blue, her outfit is kind of the main color for uh, outfit. Definitely to symbolize her motherhood. Um uh, uh she's in control, she's in perfect sync with the choreography. Uh, and then there's Ruth, who shows up late, shoves herself she into an open in space. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's doing the bathroom stalking. Yeah, and then she shoves herself into an open space off of center, uh, you know, to the to the right of Debbie. Um, and 
it's it, it creates this brilliant visual contrast that sets up the main dynamic here. Debbie gets what she wants by operating within the system. Ruth gets what she wants by bucking. Um, and, and that is the that, and that system versus bucking the system is going to come back. And that reminds me of one over story in season and two. Over it and over. Up a lot, but that that immediately makes me think of something from season two. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, that that's that's exactly it. Is that um, is 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 that there is uh, so much that that is presented here about these two characters even before we really know them. Yeah. Um. So it's so fuck. It's so it's so brilliant. And then we see one more gigantic attribute for Ruth's character, which is that in a crisis, she's always there or at least tries to be yeah um to help those around her um she's a help, uh, you know she's a, a helpful friend she's a helper and again you can probably tie it into like the desire to empower under other women again standing in contrast like the casting director from earlier mm-hmm. um uh because so debbie is a new mom she has an infant son and in the middle of class she starts lactating um yeah. and be so leaking. like she do be leaking though uh, yeah, Ruth pieces. points out the like milk milk stains on her boobs, uh, going through her shirt, and Debbie's like, "Oh my god!" And Ruth's like, "All right, take my jacket." And and so Debbie mm-hmm. puts it on. Like that is like one more attribute we see of Ruth. Uh, uh, so much, even just over these two episodes, we see so much of this. Is that she's always prepared with some kind of solution, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a really major part of her character and i think it i think that's a part of her character that speaks to more than one thing about her i honestly need to think more on like all the ways it 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 speaks to her character because it's a little bit of altruism but it's 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 also even more than that too like fuck um so yeah yeah so Uh, we cut after jazzercise class they're they're you know uh, changing in the locker room, talking yeah. about. Also, I want to say audition. it's really nice to see one of the only moments in this show where their friendship is unam- unambiguously alive and well. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. This we'll get to that soon. We'll get enough, to that. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. In a little bit. But so they're changing. Ruth tells they're her changing. about about the scene, about what happened at the casting call. I love. I laughed at. Um, Debbie saying you shouldn't do porn unless it's porn Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so two lines from this scene I want to point out. First is like, oh, there's um, a lot of lines, but that so, was so, so one. Ruth, Ruth mentions how the casting director offered her porn. Um, and Debbie's like, you, the girl who changes under her shirt. Ruth says, I don't do that anymore. And then does a just fucking fully strips naked. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm like, there's a lot more Allison. If you horny, boob. if you horny little fucks wanted to see uh shit annie get naked from annie from community get naked well there you go pal (laughs) enjoy your boobs yeah there's a weird amount of allison brie boob in this first episode you know good for her um they had to get out of the uh, way they they had to get out of the way people wanted to keep her allison brie boob and so they said we got to get it out of the way they said we they said one episode and then we're done it's good um but yeah, uh, obviously, she, Debbie's line, obviously you shouldn't do porn unless it's like porn Shakespeare. Since you're such a nerd, you'd probably be, enjoy that. Hey, hey, stop calling me out like that. Hey, what the fuck? What the Ugh. fuck? What the fuck, Austin? Yeah. Why is the show calling me out? I hate it. So 
Ruth and Debbie talk about how they have, they don't see each other anymore, right, anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know Ruth doesn't want to visit Debbie in Pasadena. I wonder why. And oh, yeah, we'll get there in a little bit. I That's not something I connected until, like, the second time through of, like, oh, oh, I wonder if those are two connected things. What if I wonder if I, that's I connected did, to something. Yeah, there. yeah. But, um, but, but one I, more thing. I, sorry, uh, I mean, sorry, I think we got to talk about the most important actual part of this scene is first we get an establishment of Debbie of what Debbie's career is like where she was on a popular soap opera paradise cove. And then they wrote her into a coma for a whole season. And then they wrote her off the show entirely by having her need, um, face altering plastic surgery. That's right. And we get some, it's interesting. It is interesting. I think episodes one and two, the way we get, it's interesting the way that Debbie describes herself, her career and how she feels about her life versus episode two, where we get more third outside perspectives on that and how that's a little bit different. And so first, because first of all, she frames it as her husband, Mark, told her hey you know you're unhappy on this show now what if we started a family and you you don't have to work anymore you can i can support us both and debbie's like hell yeah why am i working on this shitty soap opera ruth what are you doing being a mother was the best decision i ever made and she's like why don't you start a family ruth why don't you want to be happy and she's like very, very trad wife and all over this. Oh yeah. Well, that, that's that's here. the other thing but, is is it, it establishes that added perspective uh, again, going through the gambit of roles for women, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, the perspective from Debbie of the role of mm-hmm. the stay of stay at home mom. Um, we are we that it's that's what's really that's again what's so what's so interesting yeah. is the contrast. Mm-hmm between between debbie and ruth here of like you know debbie living you know what seems like the trad wife dream um Mm -hmm. you know ruth being the the driven career woman even though she can't get a job um right and and all and i think also this kind of i i think a a a tension that doesn't come up a lot here but will come up a lot later in the show so i want to mention it now that i think about it is the difference in career success is even if for a short time Debbie was on a super successful uh, soap opera, she's very mm-hmm. well off. She is. She lives in a very nice house. Yes, a uh, big old she's house in Pasadena. Pasadena. And Ruth talks about in this same scene how she has like eighty three dollars in her bank account. She's eaten cinnamon toast crunch for like two days straight. Mm-hmm. Um. And she's going to have to ask her parents for money again, as we'll see in a later scene. And this tension of like, in Ruth's eyes, Debbie has at least gotten some of the success that Ruth has always wanted for herself. Mm-hmm. And that will be a tension that comes back later as the series progresses. Yeah. And although honestly, it is, it, honestly, it, it, it is sta- that in the next episode too. Yeah. It's, it's even, I honestly think, it partially sets up when we get to, we'll get to the sex scene. And I think there's something <laughs> from that, that even then shows this kind of tension between this, like 
the, the career trajectories have created a divide between Ruth and Debbie. Uh, yep. but in the, after that though, we cut to Ruth's rinky dink apartment and she flops on her bed, just miserable for the day, she, but she, kill, she kills a random bug, which mood. Yeah. Yeah. But she gets a call from the casting director uh, and she, and the casting director says, I heard, I'm not running this one, but I heard about this audition. That's looking for unconventional girls. And Again, I want to send Brie. this, I want to send this your way. And if you and I and never and never jump me in the bathroom again, <laughs> or I'll get you fucking blacklisted. Right, which is hilarious. Yeah. So we then go the next day, and it's the casting call for Glow in the for gym. Glow. They all meet in this giant fucking like gymnasium warehouse gym, dingy, dingy fucking warehouse gym. A wrestling ring set up in the middle. Ruth is making conversation with some of the people around her. <laughs> she makes sure to mention, well, you know, it's not porn. Just so, so you know. Make sure you know that. Uh, sure that you know, yeah. Something I always double check at an audition is whether or not it's I, porn. Not I, I, I got to quickly uh, look up. I'm going to quickly pull up the cast just so I get character names. Not every character that is named in the show was named in this episode. So I, 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 sure I, I, I got, I actually did get most character names. I got, I, I got note, all um, the ones. I got all the ones for the people who they named, but you know, uh, I did, I did note the, uh, future Britannica closes her shirt. When Ruth says this, she's wearing like a button up and it was open and her bra was kind of showing underneath. And Ruth says it's not porn. And she starts buttoning it. <laughs> up. It's uh, just great. I love the part of the scene where, um, Ruth looks over at Sheila, who yeah. is dressed like a wolf, and in fact, her gimmick is her. I, that's unfair. She's, dressed like, like she's dressed like a fucking like Victorian ghost girl, but she identifies as a wolf. She identifies as a wolf. That yes. is unironically what that unironically is about. identifies. But as they look over at her, and Artie, who is who is the Indian girl, if you didn't know that, is Artie. Yes, yeah, and Artie. she's like, I didn't know we were supposed to wear costumes. <laughs> That was great. That was yeah, no. Uh, anyway, Sam walks. The, uh, the Sam yes, Mark Marin, my favorite Sam Sylvia on walks this in, show. Ha- walks in having just done a line of coke, <laughs> having just fucking, just fucking, you know, snorted He's a line. Sniffing his nose because he just bumped. <laughs> I bump. love this character. I I apologize. This feels. It feels a little slimy to say that in a show that is so like focused on the women that my favorite character is like you know the dude but like fuck i love this character like skeevy exploitation director exploitation (laughs) yeah sexploitation director dude i'm sorry i fucking love this character with every fiber of my being sam is fucking hilarious wait have you considered that mark marrow turns in Mark, Mark Marrow Marin. is the sorry, wrestler. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Mark, Mark Marin is the actor. Have you considered that Mark Marin turns in a performance that's worthy of like all of the Emmys? Like, yep. my my fucking man just does stand up for a living and then comes in and gives this like brilliant, nuanced, like all too realistic fucking performance. I this is like this is fucking goals as an actor for me. I have to say. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, he says this is wrestling. Someone asks, like Hulk Hogan, and he says, "If one Artie, of you turns Artie out to be Hulk Hogan, Artie established like Artie Hulk is like Hogan. someone who knows what wrestling. Who knows wrestling? And he goes, if one of you turns out to be Hulk Hogan, I've hit the fucking jackpot. Uh, careful what you wish for, dipshit. 
Um, well, let me tell you something, dude. Let me tell you something. Dude. <laughs> Debbie's <laughs> like, let me tell you something, brother. They wanted to bring me in to consult on Glow, dude. <laughs> I can see it. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so- Sam. I love the way Sam... You get a, you can immediately tell what kind of director this guy is in his career. Mm. Actually, I love the way the scene sets this up. Like he He's comes so in, callous. First is first. He has a history with one of the people there, Cherry Cherry Bang, who was a stunt who was a stunt double with him in, on movies yes. he'd done before. And she's like, "This is another one of your trashy vampire movies." But also the way he describes the wrestling, right? Like he's like, this is wrestling, lady wrestling, girl on girl. But then he is like describing the moves they're going to do. And he's like, so, you know, tick grabs, cut punches, punches, stringy dinks, (laughs) stringy dinks. Oh, yeah. We get from the start and we keep getting enforced. Sam's entire motivating uh, force as like a director, his, his muse is female, like, sexuality and the female like psyche but like and also being offensive also being offensive yes also being offensive and and through like the most male lens of them all um we don't even get to the third episode we get his vision for glow dude oh my god i almost wish we had gotten the third episode just so we could talk about what the fuck that was you know that i (laughs) It's so it's so wild. They got got this story of Kuntar. Kuntar. I fucking love Kuntar, dude. Uh iconic. I wish I wish Glow had been about Kuntar Kuntar, honestly. Anyway, Um, back to this. Yeah, well, I I want to say too that like Mark Marin's performance here, he walks this line between uncaring crudeness and like genuine affability. Um Mm -hmm. that's absolutely fucking mesmerizing and you see over and i'm gonna point this out as it as it goes on but you see over the course of these episodes that this man is like the ultimate schmoozer and his performance makes it believable because it's not just like uh he's some shitty dude but the plot demands that people go along with his plans like there is a charm to him. It's a skeevy ass charm. I think, I think, charm, I think the locker you. room scene in episode two, and which we'll get to, I think does a lot to kind of sell that. I think. Oh, oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. There, there is a humanity to him. He's not like he. He's a piece of shit. But he is, he a, ja- he is a total jackass. He's a total jackass, but he doesn't not care. Mm-hmm. Um. He is an artist. He is a, as crude and as awful as his art may be. Yeah. He is an artist and he is not bought. He is not a man who is bought. He is a man who is trying to do something that inspires him. Yeah. Um, and again, it's it's shitty and exploitative. Um, but like, it, it, again, it creates this, this wild dynamic with his character where he is both like um, so fucking detestable and also, like, in some ways, kind of admirable. And, and and as the show goes on, too, you see more of his humanity peek out. And there is something mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, this isn't just douchebag for douchebag's sake. Um, yeah. But anyway, so he says, yes, this is going to be a wrestling show. If any of you have problems with that, leave now. And, like, 75% of the people there, just the, the, the women there, get up and walk out. Which, like, okay, this is the 
golden age. Why are so many of them leaving? This is like when wrestling is at its biggest. Wouldn't that well, be like? Well, because one, they don't want to do wrestling, and two, like, yeah, but like wrestling has always had this until I think very recently. Always had this image of like being like to people who don't like wrestling, they think it's the stupidest thing imaginable. And that was true even in the 80s and the 90s. Even in the 80s? Yeah, but, yes. there, but there was a far larger proportion of people who were following it and didn't sure, think Sure, but, you know, there was, there was still that air for a lot of people of, like, this is dumb. This is stupid. Okay, that's... Like, you get that sure. scene, like, you get the scene during the tryouts of Jenny talking to Melrose and being like, who even, like, watches this sport? Yeah, that 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 is true um i i it's there's, just a, there's, there's that, like, a lot i feel like there's a lot of lines in these first two episodes that feel like being self-aware of what people who don't like wrestling think about wrestling which oh, is 100 i wrote down most of them but and, um, and i do i just wanted to point that out that that is no i i do i do appreciate that um sam also says i'm gonna have you sign a waiver in case of injury or death ha did it because wrestlers tend to die oh that there are that wrestlers who die age. in the ring that wasn't funny uh, at all well hold up well i was gonna well no no my 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 uh my thing was get it because wrestlers tend to die at horrifyingly young ages and that it no did not uh age well uh okay well, anyway, sam sam gets the goes to get it lines are up to get headshots we get a lot of the character intros this way dude oh yeah. my god this sequence rules so hard um I, I want all of all of the introductions to each of the characters we get is great. But one I want to especially point out is uh, we see Carmen. Uh, she is a um, she's a, a you know, a, a younger. Uh, I, I don't know, like what her uh, ethnicity is. I think it's she's she's somewhere between like um, she might be like Hispanic or like Samoan. Um, I think uh, I think. I think she's Hispanic. Then again, okay. you know, I'm just uh, maybe I'm just thinking of what her rendering character is, but you know that doesn't have to mean shit. Yeah, no. But I've uh, always but, read but her. This... I've always read her as Hispanic, if for no yeah. other reason because of her the way what her in-ring character ends up being. Yeah, and also Carmen's a Carmen can be a Hispanic name. Um, uh, her physical comedy is gold. Her whole character is is gold. But fucking um uh. Fuck! I can't. I can't. Like the so actress for wants... Carmen actually has no Hispanic roots at all. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Um, she's she was she's was born in Tokyo. Her father oh. is African American. Her mother is oh. European American. Oh, no, no roots at all. A young biracial <laughs> woman then. Okay, yeah, cool. but no uh, roots. Is she was brown enough for the part, and so we go. Part. Hey, life imitates art, imitates life. This is my reality. <laughs> anyway, um, so fucking um, but so so she she hands Sam a picture that is her blowing uh blowing out like a birthday cake. Um, and Sam's like, why are you why are your eyes closed? Uh, and she says, because you, you close your eyes when you blow. And he said, and Sam for some reason says, can you blow with your eyes open? And she starts blowing with her eyes out she like bugs her eyes out starts like blowing in sam's direction and then like points her eyes going like <sighs> which is just a beautiful also again the detail orientation this girl doesn't have a fucking professional headshot she doesn't even have a great like picture of herself the we find out like her kind of character more about her character later on which makes it make sense 
that, you know, basically like, you know, to, to, to spoil the show like a little, I don't think this is a major spoiler. Fucking, we basically find out later on. So, so Carmen comes from a wrestling pedigree. I mean, they, but they, her... they say that in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> but, that. but we find out in later episodes that her family does not want her partake in wrestling. She snuck out to do this. So it makes sense that she just grabbed whatever fucking like picture of herself she could from like, you know, wherever her family keeps the fucking scrapbooks and just ran. Um, yeah. So again, the little details, so, so good. Um, the little details, I also like they immediately set up cherries. Kind of like all, all the women on this show, they give reasons for why they aren't doing anything else in Hollywood, or at least a lot of them. And yeah. cherry is a big one. Cause they, cause first he's like, "Hey, resume's looking a little light since 1979." She goes, "Movies looking a little white since 1979." True. Hey, cause she's been doing that black exploitation life. But then yeah. uh, Sam is also like, well, "I know you can stunt double. Can you act?" Yes. Yes. And I mean that sets up a whole bit for her in later see episodes and seasons, in, but in seasons. And set up that her problem is that she's a stunt double, not an actress. Well, well, something else I want to point out, too. Not only is it setting up that as, like, a future arc for her, it's direct foreshadowing. Because Sam mm-hmm. says, can you act? She pulls out an imaginary gun and goes, freeze, motherfucker. Oh, shit, she, you're right! <laughs> yeah, they literally set up that, like, her next big acting job is going to be on a cop show. Like, that's so fucking yeah. good. Uh, big, big foreshadow bit about because uh, the uh, j- girl Justine comes up and he's like, "How old are yes, you?" How old She's are 19. you? Nineteen. He's like, "Yeah, we'll see." Yeah, he, I don't. Sam doesn't believe that. He said, "He says we'll see." Yeah, we'll Which, see. Yes, you will, Sam. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Anyway, uh, the big, obviously, the big scene here is the one he gets with Ruth. Because uh, yes. he's like, he gets her headshot. He sees her actual. She has an actual. And she has resume. like an actual professional headshot. Like she's one of the only people there with like an actual like fucking professionally done headshot, professionally curated resume. Yeah. And um, she, he 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 makes a joke about Strindberg, and he's like, "Who's that?" He's like, "I I Str- know who Strindberg, Strindberg is. I'm not an idiot." Strindberg, who the fuck is that? Sam be like, "Well, it's no Ibsen." <laughs> but, uh, but I honestly love all the like theater jokes that they make oh it made me so like it shows that sam is well read in his in his uh in his theater in the way he he in the things he calls ruth it's very funny um calls her strinberg he starts calling her strinberg and he's like for i like and we talk about those like lines for people who who don't like wrestling is when she's kind of like when ruth is kind of skeptical about all this as an acting job He's like, it's it's wrestling. You don't think wrestling is acting? And she's like, no, not really. I mean, and then she and then she's like, um, so I'm confused. Are you hiring actors to play wrestlers or are we the wrestlers? And he goes, and he yes. says yes. <laughs> but then then we get the big a bit another big part of the scene. He's, he's like, do people think you're pretty? Because he's and he and he gives this whole metaphor of like. You know, sometimes he's like, you know, like half the time I look at your face and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're pretty. And then the other yeah, time she's I'm not, like, but are you? Do is yeah. she? He's like, you, you have a face that like changes. It changes, but on we go. Um, we get at the end. That's the end of the. That's the end of that first day of wrestling. Yeah. 
uh, Ruth calls home to wire for money. Obligatory call call home for money scene. Yeah, and then a dude climbs through her goddamn window. Yes. (laughs) We don't get a name on him yet, and that's significant. Um, Uh Uh-huh. But he climbs through the window. She does establish that, like, you have a family. You have a wife. Go home. And he's like, but I can't stop thinking about you. And I can't stop. The parent, The story is they got drunk at a party together, and then they went home and banged. Yes. And he's like, I can't stop thinking about what that said. you said last night. This was actually big enough that I quoted this. Is You mm-hmm. said there are shiny people who have everything, and there are people like us who have to go to parties with them and watch them get their pictures taken, and that's unfair. Like... That, uh-huh. that, which also foreshadows a lot about who this guy is. Yeah. But, the, but he gives this whole speech about it, and Ruth gives in. They fuck hard. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I, one more line I want to point out from him, okay. too. So, so, so Ruth says, you know, Ruth's kind of making excuses for why she did that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. why she slept with him once. She's like, you know, uh, I was drunk. The alcohol was free, you know. Uh, it was a crazy night, and you know, I, I was feeling sorry for myself. Uh, and you and you took advantage of that. Um, and he goes, "I think we both took advantage of that." Which, on one yeah. hand, is a scummy thing to say, uh, but on the other hand, he's not entirely he's not wrong. wrong. He's not. He's not wrong. He's just also kind of the worst. Um, yeah, um, anyway, they have sex. More boobs. Uh, so much Allison Brie boob in Though this. No, I I laugh is. During sex, uh, he calls her the realest girl he's ever met, and she's getting like oh my PTSD God. from earlier. <laughs> he's just like, "Shut up, no talking." Oh fuck, I didn't even catch that parallel. Yeah, I that's the like, pa- that's the joke. See, like, because because I just read it as more like you know she's just like using him to get off, and he's having this whole emotional experience with it, and she's like, "Shut, shut up, you're ruining." No, it's it. about, but yeah, that it's too. About him that call- too. It's about him calling her real, like. Yeah, what, like what happened? I mean, the casting director. I mean, she's not hot. Um, little little column A, little column B. Um, but fucking. Yes, uh, okay. So hard cut well, to next day at Glow. I okay. Oh, yeah. I hate how good that smash cut is because we like smash cut on her face as she's fuck as she's fucking this guy to like to her at the at the audition the next day, but also like okay. Not to be crass, but, like, cutting away. So she's, like, about to, like, have an orgasm as as we do the smash cut. Maybe. But she, you never know. Okay, yeah. But, like, it seems like that's where it's going. Like, Somebody's you know, she's about going to like, orgasm eh, here. Eh, eh. Yeah. Uh, but it smash cuts away before she actually does. Which I think says something about, like, the lack of satisfaction um that she's still finding in in all of this kind of personal journey which is you know a nice touch interesting um but then it's day two so it's time to put you through the drills and yeah, who sam, else? Or sam, sam says he wants uh he wants a, a roster size of 12 you know which i personally i think that's risky i think it's more secure to start with a roster of 14 in my gm but you know to each their own well this is uh, not, yeah but he's he's gotten in a two-time champion of of Stuck. something this something hulking specimen over here is johnny glow i almost made that joke but it's johnny mundo playing 
Salty the Sack, the sack. Johnson. Yeah, that 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 too. This I, guy I, is he, this, he announces he is his one own name. Short. He is one name short from Dick the Cock Johnson. <laughs> Salty the, the Sack, sack. Johnson. Amazing. I but he says his own name, his own ring name, and he says it with such conviction. He's like, he's like, yeah, Sam's that's my like, name. This this hulking specimen over here is a. Uh, uh salty the sack johnson my man is proud of being salty the sack he's uh, proud to ha- be a salty johnson true um so so yeah this this we get we get a little bit more about uh Artie's backstory uh you know they're talking about like wrestling and wwe we, stuff th- th- when i mentioned earlier when jenny was like who even watches this sport and yeah and Artie jumps in like everybody, even my nanny watches WWF superstars and she's 85 and only speaks Hindi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but her grandma, but her grandmother loves that Hulk Hogan. Now WWF superstars out here reaching across cultural divides, you know, the, mm. the most important, the, the most, the most notable aspect of WWF superstars is how egalitarian it was culturally. You're damn right. Um, you goddamn, you know, true. Uh, I mean, there is there is something to be said for like you know a very physical storytelling like that being able to transcend language boundaries. But you know, it's 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 funnier to just leave it at a at a cultural egalitarianism. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, also I don't even I can't even quote exactly what made me say it. Although I can generally remember, I just have a note that says Tammy is such a fucking MVP on this show. Um. She, she is. Uh, she's so good. Um, if you know, even in these first couple episodes when she doesn't have much to do, no, nah, she doesn't. But we'll get to Tammy later because there was a bit that I thought was funny, and I yes, it, it's, when I don't, it's not funny until I until we get to the bit. I'm not. Anyway, we run wrestling drills. They're doing the forward rolls. They're hitting the ropes, and they mostly suck. And that's really oh, the point of the montage. Is they mostly yeah, pretty bad. Uh, there is there is one chick that's really good that you notice is really good. This kind of like there's this there's this like blonde woman uh with with like fucking Viking braids, which <laughs> that comes into play later. Um, and she's 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 notably pretty good, and Cherry is notably kind of um, a natural. Yeah, Cherry is thing. easily the um, best person here at any of this. Yeah. Um, and then, so while they're running their wrestling drills, we even get a, uh, we even get a scene is, of her because they also cut. To, they do a bit late where they do a bit where they like do like a basic like flip bump, like hair yeah. tug into a flip bump, and she coaches Rhonda, the future Britannica, into the move because Rhonda's like nervous about it. And she's like, "Don't worry about it. I, the victim, me, does, does all the work. Just pull my hair work. a little bit, and then she does it flawlessly." So she's foreshadowing so for later. I fucking love Cherry. But um, Sam is Sam is barely paying Sam's attention. Sam's making cuts. And he's making cuts too as they're as they're training. The, real, the only he's person like, he really I call your name. I, he, I, he call, I call your really name. I say thank you. Yeah, one yeah, who reminds yeah. him of his ex-wife is the only. Yeah, one but still, really but 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 you know, to point out that he is you know making cuts even while they're training. He's like, I call mm. your name. I say thank you. You're out of here. You know, wipe your tears. Goodbye. Um, yeah. Something I noted during the montage before we get to like the actual part of this scene is Justine mm-hmm. intently keeping her eyes on Sam the entire time. Oh, a hundred fucking percent. And oh, she's like, that, that's like she's like major, like always watching Sam, always. In yeah, this fucking, 
but anyway, they we get to the main scene where Carmen, where Ruth pulls Carmen aside, and she's like, "What's what's our motivation?" Yeah, Ruth is out here bringing fucking lore documents to her. Too much. She is going too hard for this. You're trying too hard. What Ruth are you says doing? Ru- Ruth, you know, Ruth has her whole like kayfabe planned out coming into wrestling training. And she says, my character wouldn't. Yeah. So, but she's like, we got to stand out. So come oh. on. So we got to come up with this. And so Ruth and Carmen get into the ring to do the spot and they just start Bro. monologuing about, Dude. they they set up this bullshit of like, Ruth is a thief who has stolen bread to feed her family. But she I also want to point law. out too that b- before, but while we okay. see them planning this on the side, Ruth says, "Trust me, I'm an actress. I know what I'm doing." Which that is that is the the worst advice to ever yeah. take. Don't make an Alec Baldwin joke. Don't make an Alec Baldwin joke. Fucking um. Fu- also, also, man, Ruth is really cringe, and I love how cringe she is. She is honestly, and that like, was the hardest part of getting through these episodes is remembering how cringe Ruth is and just wanting it to end. <laughs> but also, like her being like, "Oh, we got to find a way to stand out at auditions." I hate, I hate how that's me at auditions. I was, I, I was sitting it. there begging. I was sitting there having to hold my hand from pressing the fast forward button through oh, the cringe so, because I just so I couldn't sit watch. there. I couldn't sit there and stand it. Well, the thing is the thing is for us too. We are both we are both people who in some ways, you know, like to keep our heads down and Ruth is Ruth is not. Uh no. So that it's, you know, it could be a hard watch. Um but anyway, so oh also um so one more thing uh we get um uh, the future Britannica, Rhonda, um, in the ring, and Sam fucking, like, compliments her, like, outfit, and he's like, ah, he's flirting with her from the get-go, ah, ha, 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 they end up sleeping together later in the show. Um, I forgot um, they did that. Yeah, they have a whole, like, they have a whole fucking relationship. Oh, right, um, I know, right, yep. I, all I remember is her relationship with Bash, which is not, which is a thing. Yeah, make more no, sense no, 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 no. Later in this, that's all I remembered though. I forgot that she slept with Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like something that gets discovered partway through season one. I feel like, um, yeah. So, but Ruth and Carmen get in the ring. They start monologuing, and it's here we find out that Ruth is just a huge fucking lame as a Rob simp. Uh, because she's they're monologuing. Oh, I stole a loaf of bread. Uh, and Carmen's like, you, 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 uh, broke the law to feed my family. Oh, oh, okay. We, we have all seen, I will say, I will say, I will say Valjean and Javert as wrestling characters. That would be solid. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm here for that. So Sam is rightly like, I'm cutting you both. Cause you couldn't even follow basic direction. Get the fuck out. But yeah. he decides to take pity and keep one of them and offer them both Sophie's their boy. opportunity to like pitch their case ruth comes at it from the angle she is a real actress one of the few here and so she more than anyone knows what she's doing on a tv show for a tv show Mm -hmm. perspective but then carmen drops the bomb that she is the daughter of goliath jackson yes big time wrestling superstar salty johnson is like holy shit what an honor to meet you yeah i know but basically, Carmen comes from a whole wrestling family. They're all big, successful wrestlers. And Sam is like, mm, you know what? I, the dynasty wins out. And he cuts Ruth. 
and and Ru- and Ruth tries to protest this, and this is again a great little like a great little character moment for Sam. Sam's character establishment isn't as concentrated as like Ruth's and Debbie's were. Um, mm-hmm. his is more kind of like spread out, but like um, you know, Sam's like yeah, Ru- Ruth's like you're seriously cutting me just for that, and Sam's like I yes no maybe I don't know maybe it's because I don't like your face maybe it's because I like your face too much I can't. I I don't I don't know I don't care bye bye like we're set it like Sam as like not just a fucking like prick but a prick with a complex about something too um he's oh, like I, again I about female sexuality I'm not particularly excited about how that gets explored quite frankly but uh, yeah that's for future seasons yeah I mean where where I'm at with him he's like he's had his fuck ups but he's also like you know not the worst when it comes to that so maybe there maybe maybe that hole gets dark there's more you haven't gotten in deep enough yet oh Um, god no oh sam flips back and forth between face and heel on this show so so yeah so ruth leaves dejected she gets a taco from a taco stand nearby and then she gets robbed by some shit kids on skateboards who call themselves the Los (laughs) Angeles Angeles Death Squad. Squad. These kids are like no older than 12. Um, And yeah, so she gets... She gets mugged by a fucking like twelve year old skateboard gang. the 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 L A Death Squad was asked to put Ruth over, and they said that's not gonna work for us, brother. So uh, poor Ruth. This is her lowest, really. She has yeah. to. She has to suck it up and call Debbie to dry to get her a ride. Mm-hmm. And we get they get in the car. They're talking about what happened. And she's like, I need my apartment. Ruth's like, they stole my apartment key. And Debbie is like, I I think I still have my spare for your apartment in my purse. And she's like, great. And so she pulls it out. And on the keychain is a picture of Debbie and Mark. And gaga, Mark is the man who has slept, who snuck into Ruth's window and fucked Ruth. Ruth, Ruth is it mark is debbie's husband is cheating on debbie with debbie's best friend yep yep oh nary a more classic cat fight setup could there be though i do Uh, love the scene i love the scene of um i i forget what ruth says exactly she's like shit she's like shit and ruth and and debbie is like don't don't curse in front of the baby and and uh ruth goes oh she looks at randy in the back seat the baby's like oh i'm sorry hi and then debbie goes you you can curse in front of the baby it's a fucking baby (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding fuck uh that i i i do really like that moment um fucking yeah uh um so Ruth goes to her scene study class and she's performing from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and her, and her fucking and on, teacher. And my, my first note is she, like everything else, is going way harder than everybody else here. She's the only True. one taking... I'm not saying that nobody's taking it seriously, but by God, she is acting like this is opening night of actual Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Again, I don't like how much I see myself in this. Moving on. But um, her her scene study class like leader instructor is asleep and she blows up on him and she's like this is my only place to do what i to do what i i want why are you like this i paid for this class yeah 
And we don't even get a response from him. We just no, we just got to her going home and deciding it's time to do some research. True. And of course, what does she watch but just an absolute bevy of fucking Hulk Hogan clips? Because she watches Hulk course, Hogan. She watches some Ric Flair. Woo! A little bit of Ric Flair, but it's also like notably Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. Um, they they shoot it to imply that's what it is, but like that ob that to act, well act, um actually that never happened in re- there's that timeline doesn't fit at all. In oh real damn! Life. They never like met on the territories or anything. No, they were uh, they met up. They were gonna do a thing in the WWF all the way in 1992. But they put it on the house show loop and it didn't draw, brother. So they X, they nixed WrestleMania wow. plans for it. And then in then then Hulk Hogan signed to WCW and they said, We are gonna run this match and we are gonna run it into the fucking ground. True. True. I mean, all those years of of not having it, we got to make up for it, obviously. Yeah, but like, um, they never but, crossed so, paths in the 80s. Okay. Uh, Flair was fully all in on the NWA champion bit. Hulk Hogan was all in on WWF at this point. Fair. Uh, but it does crack me up because that it's like, of course, Hogan, because that's the one wrestler that everybody knows. Yeah, um, they have to, yeah, they have, this montage has to work with wrestlers that everybody knows. Yeah, which, like, okay, on one hand, like, how, like, on one hand, it it does make sense for Ruth as, like, a noob would go to, like, the one wrestler that everybody knows about. But also, on the other hand, where is she getting these, this, like, obviously assorted collection of matches and promos? She is having a wrestling watching montage. montage. Do not ask questions where she got the tapes. Um, one more thing I have to note on, like, the funny way this show treats Allison Bree's physical appearance is, like, she's announcing herself as, like, you know, her, she's announcing her, her ring, her wrestler character as, like, the ring announcer, and she says, weighing in at uh, 115 pounds, she says that sheepishly, as if, A, that's something to be, like, sheepish about, and B, as if that's a fucking lie, girl is, girl is tiny. She looks like she weighs 115 soaking wet. What the fuck are you talking about? To be fair, um, in rest for a wrestler, that's a pretty small weight. That's pretty small. Oh, I guess, I guess, I guess she'd be thinking like, I don't know. I wish I were bigger, but I, but I feel like with 80s beauty standards, she'd be like, you know, upset that she's like it 115. Go, it could go either know. way, I think. Yeah. Um, like also, shitty beauty standards, but also for wrestling, that's if anything, a small weight. Also, one one other thing I will say, um, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I it could be. I do find it funny that she's watching like these Hulk Hogan promo clips, and it's like the extremely like you know jingoistic Hogan that's like you know say your prayers, eat your vitamins, love America, and I mean, then I, I mean that is going with the most basic. Everyone no, knows no, no, Hulk no, no, Hogan no, 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 no. But but it stands in contrast to what her in ring character ends up being, which is like the polar fucking opposite um i'm not sure if it was intentional or not based on something that happens later i could see it maybe being like an intentional little detail but i'm not sure but it's a funny touch um, yeah uh but she is like she like cuts up her wardrobe to make this whole character costume mm-hmm. and the next day first of all we cut to 
Sam's in his office just casually just doing a line. Just doing a line of coke. And then he walks out and they're about ready to continue doing, I'm assuming not really tryouts. I think it looks like by this point they've kind of parried it down to everybody. Yeah. But Ruth walks up in her goof ass. It's like blue and orange and it's like the kind of like vague superhero wrestling costume that like if i saying that you probably can guess you know the exact like what's going on here and then she she spends all night watching these fucking wrestling promos and yet when she gets in the ring she starts doing the goddamn cat on a hot tin roof monologue (laughs) honestly again again why is this me uh, it's so I'm in funny. This picture, She's out and here being like, what is it going to take? Is, also, is, is Ruth is like, I got cut from this place for being too much of an actor. Clearly what I needed to do was perform Tennessee for, Williams. That's going to turn it around. Uh, well, she said it in a wrestler voice, Austin. That's that's how you do it. It'll just be like when I do the opposite thing and use Scott Steiner math as, as an audition monologue, but in an actor voice obviously that's a surefire hit right there i guess Um, well it goes over like oil and water i one thing i the one thing i do want to point out though is fucking so um ruth walks in and is like you know points to sam is like you're wrong about me and she's walking to the ring and like cherry is right outside the ring and she passes by cherry and cherry goes like okay girl which i feel like cherry 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 respects the hustle Sari respects the hustle. She respects the drip. But I also, I'm also kind of surprised that like a pro like her isn't like fucking fed up with like dipshits like this trying to reinsert themselves after they've been cut. Um, to be fair, I, I, I feel like Cherry wouldn't think that this would actually like work. Yeah, like, it's like I, I kind of kind of read that as like Cherry thinks this is amusing that Ruth is trying this nonsense, and also. Cherry takes kind of like a constantly, I don't know, sardonic like attitude towards Sam. Mm-hmm. So I just he's probably a little bit amused by anything that's like fucking with Sam a little bit. That's um, true. So that probably uh, helps. But as it. as uh, Ruth is trying to do this monologue, it bombs so hard so, she starts. So, something to something do else I want to note while she's in Sam? the ring, and something I've no- I noticed as this goes on. The first, this is the first time I really caught this in the show. It might have been other places, but this is the first time I noticed it, and it might have been the first time it was employed. In the ring, we suddenly have like shaky cam as opposed to like the very steady, like evenly like planned shots that we've had for pretty much the re- the, the rest of this fucking episode. Um, to show like there is kind of like this real gritty element to it, and we get more of that later, and I'll touch on it more there. But I was like, yeah, huh. That's that's different. Yeah, um, but yes, that is, goes as over Ruth like a lead is balloon. Doing her monologue, and in walks Debbie uh-huh. because Debbie has learned of the affair. How did she find out where Ruth was? Because she remembered that she re- she doesn't know that Ruth got cut. I don't, or maybe she does. Mm. Yeah, I feel like she would have mentioned that to Debbie. Maybe. Pure, I, it's, I, it's, it's pure, it's pure contrivance. Listen, we gotta get, we gotta get to plot A to plot B here. I just did find it funny. I was like, 
How the fuck did Debbie know? Yeah, we're not cinemasins up in here. I just think maybe. Uh, let's see if I can try to find a justification. I mean, she probably maybe. intuited. She, she probably intuit right. Like she probably you know, guessed. Well, she, she probably went to like Ruth's place and then. Ruth oh, that's what I was about to say. She, she might have like, went to Ruth's apartment, saw she wasn't there, and assumed Ruth went back. Yeah, she's like, where would that, where would that annoying bitch go? Probably back to the audition that taught her. Yeah, so Debbie shows up Randy in hand until she eventually she uh she passed it off to Tammy. Um, uh, uh, so so Tammy. no no this moment though, Tammy fucking goes so so Ruth's in the ring, Tammy's on just on the outside, and she's like, I wanna Debbie, I wanna Debbie get in is there. just and, I wanna get I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you. And and she's so mad. And, uh, yeah, she's like, I'm gonna kick your ass. And and Tammy goes, You you want me to take him? And there's a long pause. Kind of goes long pause. Yes, please, thank you. And then just hands Randy off. That was, and and as the as Tammy hands Randy off to, uh, or as Debbie hands Randy off to Tammy. Um, fucking the look that Tammy gives Ruth is if looks could kill. Oh man, because she's like, yeah. did you? Did you sleep with Mark? And she's like, don't make me answer that. So she's don't like, home wrecking bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Red, and- Red, Ruth tries to give the bar, like the, the bargain bin, the, the standard excuses. Like we were drunk. It didn't mean anything. I don't love him. And ben, and I love Debbie's response. Of, of course you don't love him. You don't love anyone. Ooh. Like, and then she tries to defend it as a mistake. And mm. she's like, no, it's not a mistake. People make choices. Like, so it like, wasn't if there's accident. anything, well, well, so this line is brilliant too. Again, the fucking oh, yeah. detail. If there's anything you learn in that, you learn in that, in that, 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 that uh, sorry, or that, that sorry ass acting or scene study, or that, that pathetic ass. fucking scene study, something like that. Yeah, she's like, like that. all of a she sudden, calls up the scene study. Yeah, well, and, and all of a sudden, it reveals like this underlying, like, I don't know, condescension toward ruth uh, even though debbie's now like living that like fucking you know trad wife stay at home good life like there was like an element of it that was her like you know kind of taking this pride in having a job when her best friend didn't and like that came out there yeah Um, like she she and that's is even it's not even just the element of like i I'm mad because of the affair thing. She even brings it up in the car when, when, when out, when Debbie offers to like offers when they're driving home from the previous day, she offers for um, uh, Ruth to come over for dinner. And Ruth is like, I can't, I got to go to my scene study class. And Debbie's like, you still go to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, the, the, the underlying contempt that comes out um, mm-hmm. is, is, fucking that's such a good little moment yeah. uh there was a lot more boiling below the surface than like their friendly banter implied mm-hmm. right. um so anyway so tammy or debbie gets in the ring and just starts attacking Ruth. Uh, she the, you know she she gives up she's like i'm gonna kick your ass i'm done talking she goes to fucking attack ruth sam is watching this with again just the just the fucking like cat ate the cream smile. He has he has an idea, and we get a really cool scene here. Of, yes, like they're fighting in the cat fighting in the ring, and Sam imagines the glow wrestling show 
with mm-hmm. all the lights flashing, all the crowd there, and say and Debbie and Ruth having this fight out in on the show. And it's like legit, like good in ring. Yeah, work. it feels like the first time Sam bought into this idea of this show. Again, Sam holds some was... degree. Sam holds some degree of contempt to be doing this project, and we learn more why about that as we go on. Yeah, but I think this time in with Debbie and Ruth is the first time he's like, "Holy shit, I got something here." But again, and and you look at what inspired him, and it's again this weird fucking complex about like the female psyche and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, like of course that's what inspires him, and like. In a way, this is such a contrived way to get, like, Ruth and Tammy into, like, this glow shit together. But, yeah, it does, it does work. Because we see, we see this. And, and this I mean, is, I think, this, I think, I think one is, of the most, I think one of the most fascinating parts of Glow, especially season one, is this exploration, is, like, we talk about, and I, ugh, I cannot believe I'm about to say this, as, as the avowed work shoot hater of this podcast (laughs) i can't believe i'm about to say this but one of the most fascinating parts of this show is the way in which debbie and ruth's real life relationship bleeds into what happens on the how the show works but like like that that kind of that duality of like their Mm -hmm. real life relationship and their working relationship and how one feeds into the other in fact, the fact they have a working relationship at all is because of this real life animosity that yep. Sam Carney motherfucker is exactly. like the our main event. A big money main event is these two women who actually hate each other fighting it out in the ring. Yeah. And that is it's one of those things that wrestling can do so uniquely that ability to kind of blend and play with reality versus fiction mm-hmm. and that and they set it up on this show perfectly to explore that by having the main sto- one the a plot of glow mirror actual IRL tension and anger yeah between between like the the a plot of Netflix glow exactly right um well, uh, so it's it's this great double-edged thing of, like, you know, Ruth and Tammy and their, like, Ruth personalities and, and relationships standing as the driving force of GLOW and the tension between them being what pushes the show forward. Um, and then also the Sam element, um, where he, he seeks, again, carny motherfucker that he is, he seeks to exploit it. And what he envisions, in a lot of ways, is incredible. He is envisioning... Two women glammed up and like not even like I've seen far more sexualized, uh, you know, female wrestlers uh, in the 90s than, you know, whatever the fuck Sam is dreaming up here. It's like relatively tasteful. It's um, it's, it's putting it's, on it's, it's like very 80 like they, they're in spandex. It's like it's a very 80. Yeah. Women's cost, yeah. There's there there is a there is a you know, there is a legit kind of like, you know, this is cool, like visual aesthetic to them. It's not just, ah, look at their boobs. Um, and also he's envisioning them having this like fucking five-star classic, which no one was really doing for lady wrestlers at the time. Uh, you know, at least not like to that degree. Um, for all he was talking about tit grabs and vag punches, he actually envisions something... good work. <laughs> yeah, which like, 
again, that theme, the tension between empowerment and exploitation, this is the show's visual thesis statement um, going forward into the rest of the series. This moment right here, the way in which Sam envisions this, what brings about his vision, and what eventually is born of it. Uh, this is this is a masterclass of a scene. I mean, this whole first episode is a masterclass of Fantastic. setup. We could have um, just done this one episode, honestly. We really, we really. Could've. I'm glad. I'm glad we did episode two for like a couple of scenes that I want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. But we could have just done one, and I think it, I would have been pretty satisfied because it was so exactly. good. A fantastic um, pilot episode of a show. Yeah, and then I, and then I fucking want to point out uh, Johnny Glow is you know he's down by the mat and he he looks at and you know we cut back to reality and they're just you know barely yeah. like they're you just know, you know fight cat fighting eh, rolling cat around fighting. on the ground on the top of Ruth at this point uh kind of got her pinned down Johnny Glow looks up at uh 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 Sam and goes should we call it which you know you take to mean like uh should he's we gonna break out the fight and then Sam's like yeah call it he's still in dreamland and Johnny or Johnny Glow gets in the middle of the fucking ring and counts the pin. One, two, one, two three, two. and then they cut the credits. They Fantastic. cut the credits. Uh, and this is where I want to point out the music, the 80s music that got me. Some good old motherfucking Patty LaBelle to cap off episode one. Patty LaBelle's fucking stir it up. Which, again, great little thematic thing. That's all of what Ruth does. Uh uh, so much pressure to keep holding on, you know, pack my clothes up, baby. I'll be gone. Uh, I won't stay here locked behind the door. Got to stir it up. Like, fuck. Yeah, this is, I fucking love that song. It made me so happy to add. This is a, this is a fucking mainstay of my playlist. So, so just to get random little sidebar for David. I discovered that song four fucking ever ago in the movie chicken little of all places. Oh, um, Lordy day. Yeah, yeah, that's a throwback, right? They they like do it during a training montage, which is funny because I think the movie the, the song originally came from fucking like Beverly Hills Cop, and I assume was like you know a montage, um, you know a montage scene homage there too. To that, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, um, but fucking, um, I I think because for the longest time, like you know, it was a thing that was in the back of my mind of like you know. Oh, I had that on like the Chicken Little soundtrack CD when I was a kid, but it wasn't a song I listened to like all that much in comparison to like some of the other tracks. Um, and I think this is actually like watching Glow the first time I did and hearing this song in the credits of episode one is what got me to finally add it to my Spotify playlist. Uh, and now I listen to it all the goddamn time. So thanks for that, Glow. Um, also, yeah. I want to shout out. I want to shout out in the credits. We get, uh, you know, we get the acting credits for the show, and we get credits for the 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 Los Angeles Death Squad. Uh, fucking, they get credited as White Boy One, White Boy Two, and White Boy Three. <laughs> oh just, just shit! I just beautiful. forgot one of my favorite jokes of season of the first episode. Before we move on to episode two. Oh. Is when Ruth is talking to Carmen, and Ruth, like Carmen, mentions he's never done one of these auditions before, and Ruth goes, "Are you SAG?" Oh and my God! Carmen is like, "What? I'm part Cherokee." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god that was that's a that's a good joke i feel like i feel like carmen like looked down at her boobs a tiny bit too like oh i so I, as someone who forgot how this joke went i so thought they were gonna do a boob joke yeah me too said, are you sag are you sag i'm part cherokee yeah well i liked um, it better when she did when she was thought we were talking ethnicity i thought that was funny that's funnier I yeah think. that's funnier i do like that um so anyway um we go we cut over to episode two we don't get the i am the war or we don't get the warrior theme for yeah. this one for some reason um we at get least a not cold open and if we're gonna talk about 80s songs for me the look by roxette is what we open this episode with okay uh, from i i discovered this song on rock band three because of, of course how <laughs> hey if <laughs> i mean we both gotta be we gotta we both gotta stay on brand um but she's got the look um and we open with ruth kind of driving to to the to the warehouse and melrose almost runs her over in her obnoxious limo yeah this is this is so funny to me because this is very much a character establishing episode for melrose mm -hmm. but yes she is such an antagonist figure in this episode and will rarely be an antagonist figure going ever forward. again like there's like one nice. other there's like one episode in season three where she acts like a dick this much of a dick as she does in this episode okay. but they like establish her in this episode and just say it before we get into what actually happens they establish her as this snobby rich girl asshole bit of a backstabber too yeah and this and it never really comes up again she's always kind of snarky and obnoxious but it's never treated as antagonistically as it is in this episode yeah which is just kind of uh, weird to think about i think i mean i mean again this, this gets into kind of like the one big criticism of the show is that like as much as we're lauding the ruth and debbie story the rest of the ensemble doesn't get nearly <sighs> as much time to develop no um, let me quick let me uh yeah it's literally what the that's literally what the like cast of the show wrote an entire god especially the the uh, poc cast wrote an entire fucking letter about was how yeah. they don't how they don't get shit but uh which is unfortunate it's unfortunate the worst it sucks but let's let's yeah. just go on here um, um but anyway uh basically mel mel rose gets out of the car and is like oh shit i forgot my shoes she's clearly and, just come from a night of partying like in the middle right. of the driveway she like strips off a fucking pink dress and changes into yeah. like training clothes right and so ruth is like oh hey i think i have a, some i have an extra pair uh yeah in the uh in my car and she pulls out these dinky ass tennis shoes Mm -hmm. and mel is like no i'm not wearing those but then she looks at debbie's nice white tennis shoes that excuse me ruth's nice white Ruth's tennis nice, shoes yep. that she came to to the to wrestle in yep. and we then smash cut ruth is walks in wearing the dinky in brown the dinky. shoes and mel rose is wearing the nice white shoes which like okay, this is this is what gets really interesting about mm -hmm. the fucking um, uh, uh, Ruth being so helpful as a character trait thing, 
Because, mm-hmm. like, this is, like, this is weird. Like, Ruth giving up her good shoes to Melrose and wearing the shitty ones. Like, Especially after, being, right after almost getting run over by the limo. Yeah. And being, being so self-sacrificing. I think there's a level to this, which is, like, compensation on her part of her, like, you know, being outed as a homewrecker. I do uh, think, I think so as well. And I also, I also think there, I think, I think, mm, yeah, I think the show wants to kind of establish her IRL personality as set as very different from the character she's going to pl- have to play. Yes. And I think they'll do this for Debbie too, honestly. That's oh, another, 100%. that's another fascinating part of Debbie and Ruth's arcs, but I think that's I think that's helpful. I think to have her be so self sacrificing, and try yep. to be a good seen as a good person. Yes, both oh, we'll as both because I'll, both because of I think assuaging guilt over the home record thing, and also the way that plays into what her wrestling character is going to be. Yes, and we'll we'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, so we cut to you know to inside of the the training facility. Um, we get this really cute moment where like Carmen just, just for fun, takes a random bump on the, on the wrestling mat. And she goes, I love that sound. Oh yeah. my God. Carmen is the fucking best. Yeah. Um, also so... we get, we get a repeat of a gag we had in the first episode. In the, in the first episode, there was a moment where like Sam was in the ring and then he tried to climb out of it and he just fucking fell. Uh, and then we get him like climbing into the ring and he's also very bad at getting in. It's such a great little gag and also a great little like visual way to demonstrate how he's kind of out of his depth as yeah. an artist here that, you know, nice little touch. Um, yeah. But, uh, Sam is, ever, Sam is like, he wants to learn any special talents, anything interesting. He's trying to get a sense of people's personalities yes. for how he's going to cast them in this show. Yeah. Favorite, uh, sex favorite sex positions and Melrose, uh, Melrose pops in and is like my special talent is not being fucking boring fucking boring um you know, i i wake i wake up uh i wake up in the you know in the morning with nothing to do by the end of the night i'm in like a fucking guns and roses music video van halen like that video. van halen music video and um, she also says her favorite sex position is any position where her legs are over her head and sam goes nice i like the whole please objectify me vibe. oh yeah that was sam, such a good line sam, sam, sam you are the worst uh, also you're right um <laughs> i hate that you're right actually but now everyone kind of nothing not there's some more interesting parts to this i mean ruth because she's ruth try her special talent is doing an aubrey hepburn, aubrey hepburn winning an oscar specifically audrey hepburn winning an oscar impression it's yeah. her winning a specific oscar um and nobody's impressed sheila mentions sheila the she-wolf mentions that she has a very acute sense of smell uh, oh, I Sam love this. What cologne he's wearing? She says it, and he's, he's like, "Rockin' Noir," question. and he's like, "Rockin' Noir." Trick question. I don't wear cologne, but I do spray that on my shirts when I forget to wash them. So you know, points for accuracy. And um, then Sheila is like, "I love points." I love. She's, she's she quietly so says, "I love points." As you. Oh my on. god! Again, but again, like so. A not to like super spoil what's going on with Sheila, but like I can't fully tell if she can actually smell that well, or she just like went the extra length to spy on Sam. But Occam's razor kind of dictates that she can just smell that well. Yeah. I, I, think, I think she can uh, just smell that well. She has been living uh, as a wolf. She has been living as a wolf for a while now. 
But also the whole I love points thing. It betrays kind of like an inner life to her that we don't get I, a chance for a little while. Uh, I hate that you haven't seen season three because I really like the arcs. I like the arcs Sheila goes on in season three. Sidebar, um, I just learned today um, that uh, Sheila's actress is uh, will uh, could, could very likely um, be playing fucking Sally Bowles in the next Broadway revival of Cabaret um oh my yeah uh that's fucking neat yeah i was i was one of the rare times i was like scrolling tiktok and this one like account i follow that has like all of the like fucking broadway gossip and rumors and shit um he was like yeah no i got kind of from all my sources uh stuff about like um the next Sally Bowles will be a um, minor TV actress who had something to do with the last Broadway revival. And he mentions the name and he pulls up the picture and he's like, and she was on Netflix's glow. And I was like, Oh fuck. That's Sheila. So that's that would be neat. Um, that's cool. Uh, but through this conversation, they bring up, they, they like call Ruth a homewrecker and Ruth tries yeah. to play this off as it was all Ruth, a work. Ruth is like, that was kayfabe. I was lying. No, that was a bit. And then honestly, Jenny kind of buys it because she remet- she realizes that Debbie, she knows Debbie because Debbie, she remembers Debbie as an actress on Paradise Cove. So Paradise she's like, Cove. she actually kind of buys into the idea that maybe it was Kayfabe. <laughs> I also have to mention on a personal note, she also name drops that Debbie guest starred on an episode of Murder She Wrote. And I was mm. like, eh. But also, I'm watching through all of Murder She Wrote. Don't fucking tempt me. I will yeah. I will bitch about how there is no Debbie to be found. Where is Debbie Murder. Egan? <laughs> Although to be fair, this is, you know, clearly an alternate universe where Glow is different. So it's just an alternate universe where Debbie Egan was an actress who guest started Murder She Wrote. Sure. It also makes me wonder if Angela Lansbury was still a, 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 a Jessica Fletcher. Anyway. Um, but this conversation about like Debbie actually kind of being relatively speaking like unnamed a big yeah big name like Sam sees dollar signs in his eyes (laughs) and he makes an excuse to go to the locker room and leave everyone to like uh like Mm. warm up and then we got to Sam in the locker room just fucking opening people's lockers and Cherry follows him and assumes he's trying to steal somebody's cocaine. He's trying to yeah. find coke. In people's yeah, well, well, the so so she asks what he's doing, and he's and he tries to claim at first he's like I don't know checking IDs. He's, he's checking like, IDs. You know, women, women lie women. by their age all the time. The foreshadowing. Uh, that was that was great. Um, uh, Cherry also asks what happens to uh, to that coach. Uh, you know, eh, it's, it's still a year before Lucha Underground goes under. He had to get back to Boyle Heights. Yeah, this is uh they don't have a really good excuse for why S- Salty the Sack is not here anymore. Besides, I guess, just not wanting. Like, it was a fun guest star bit, but they don't want him to be a main character on the show. Well, yeah, and, and it works better to have Cherry kind of take the role. Yeah, but too. Cherry is like, um, what the fuck? Why would you hire the only guy here who knows what he's doing? Cherry is the best, and I love her. But Sam plays those like whatever, and um, Melrose pops in, 
and makes some snarky snark comments. She goes to the bathroom, but she overhears a lot of this conversation, which is important. Yep. Uh, but first, she does ask if they fuck if they're fucking, and they and Cherry is like, "No, I'm married." But then Sam is like, "Well, but that one time in 1978, it was me, her, and her husband." <laughs> yeah, and Cherry's like, "You said we'd never talk about that." Sam's like, "History is a magical thing." Yeah, oh my Sam, God, I love Sam is like, oh, I'll happily talk about that time. I had a True. threesome with Cherry and her husband. You know, um, I, I'm I'm happy my man's not afraid to say he was in an MMF threesome. You know, like my oh, my man has, has, yeah. has, you know, he, he's he's chill with it. Um, yeah, but Mel, so Mel hears that, and then while they're kind of, we get a lot of like Sam and Cherry's history together in this scene, which is really nice. Um, but. We le- also learned that uh, in the words of Sam, <laughs> Cherry had a womb goof. Womb, a womb goof. She had a miss. Cherry looks at him like, what the fuck did you just say? She had a miss. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a, I'm trying to find a tactful a euphemism. Tactful euphemism. That's what he said. But yeah, she had a miscarriage. And I think, I think it's, it was said that she hasn't had a work. She hasn't been working since then. If I was not, if I heard that right or misremembering her. I her. think so. I think but so. Melrose still overhears all this, and that's important for later. Uh, but eventually, Sam keeps breaking into lockers, and he finds Ruth's locker, and he finds Ruth's address book, <laughs> and he he rips out the page with Debbie's address. Debbie's, you know, yeah, like it. We don't see exactly what the name is, but you can tell what he's. You up. can tell that's what he's about to do. Um, yep. and so he leaves Cherry in charge to run training. Uh while he's gone and because and everybody's fired everybody's like what the fuck uh and he's like when i get back i want to see some slamajamas some whammos uh you know I, I i'm over here like you know maybe use some slobber knockers um this is a guy then, who knows his wrestling with the slamajamas and the whammos yes um so and then we see fucking sam drive so we cut we well we smash cut to to um or we we cut over to to uh, Debbie. Who well, I mean, is, for, well um, first, well first we get the collar and elbow tie up sequence. Mm-hmm. Like Cherry yeah. and Carmen get together and they teach everyone how to do the the collar and elbow tie up. Well, it's is- really cute because so so Cherry, you know, asks like, you know, is there a, is there a way to kind of start this? And Carmen's like, yeah, you do the you do the she lock leans, up. She leans in on the fact that Carmen has a wrestling family and thus. Knows enough about knows enough about wrestling to be helpful here. Yes, uh, but it's really cute because Carmen. Uh, we see the process of like Cherry learning this stuff and figuring um, it out, like what the way. Figuring it I out. I mean, she's a stunt actress, so yes. like a lot of this. Once she kind of gets the idea of like what stunt acting looks like in wrestling, she kind of yeah. like she gets this call like getting the collar and elbow tie up. And then she is the one who initiates like, so if I wanted to get you in a headlock, I'd do it like this. And she does it. And Carmen's like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And Car- Carmen like smushed against her boob. It's like, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think um, that's right. Uh, so fucking- like Cherry has, so it's like Cherry just kind of has gaps in the knowledge, but she's, when she can figure, once she can see it, she gets it. And oh my God, it's they such start a teaching little- everybody else with, extremely limited results yes but well, first you know. we then we then get to debbie is at home breastfeeding randy and watching fucking paradise cove 
a they don't show it but they show bitter. the girl they sh- they don't say they don't show the titles card but they do show like the woman in a wheelchair who clearly and the blonde woman in a wheelchair and it's like yep yeah. she's watching paradise cove yeah uh-huh um, and then randy bites real hard on the nipple yeah <laughs> apparently debbie bleeding, starts she's bleeding like, you little she's like, fucking Fuck! psychopath ow yeah, yeah. um and then Sam knocks at the door. So well, so so Debbie grabs a fucking like bag of like frozen vegetables from her freezer. As you and, do, like, you know. Her boob. Yeah, as you yeah, do. yeah, as you do. Um, again, well, again, nice little detail of like showing that like there is something unraveling here. She's not grabbing like you know an ice pack. It's a fucking bag of frozen vegetables. And um, also, and also, Debbie's not having quite the charmed life she says she was. Like I, yep. like I mentioned when we were talking about episode one, is especially to set up kind of Ruth's journey here. Is they is is she real? Is Debbie tries to portray like she's having a great life? She is living it up, trad wife style. This True. is great. I I am happier than I've ever been. And the first time we see her at home. She is watching her old soap opera and and having a miserable time raising a child. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think that she is having quite the life that she says she does. It's not ideal. Um, but Sam comes to the door and he has a fucking stuffed animal for Randy. He's such a goddamn schmoozer. And he's yeah. like, uh, he says, you know, for the barnacle. <laughs> for the barnacle? <laughs> This is a load of barnacles, and then he asks. Yeah, so we do. We do get back to. We cut back to training before we get. Mm-hmm. We, can, we get to st- Sam and Debbie's conversation. Uh, yeah. So Melrose is fucking around. She starts singing a love ballad because she is like she's like joking. The caller, she thinks she, the she and she looks and like Rhonda both intimate. are like. Well, she yeah. starts it, and Rhonda just she she seems like a little along for the ride, fun kind of a person. Yeah, she's like just I, so, something I do want to something I do want to point out too is um uh it's it's Artie and um uh fucking Reggie um practicing their their sequence together um while they're singing this, and like Artie fucks it up a little bit, and Reggie mm-hmm. goes, "That's not what she what that's that would be pre-. and again. You know, you have to you have to kind of create the mental image here. Reggie is like again blonde Viking braids. She's short. She's kind of stocky. Very like Layla Hirsch build. She's she's um, super stocky. The bit the 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 big bit out of the um when she had her headshot with Sam and she's like I can throw things and Sam's like I Can, can you throw, throw people and she's like Yeah and she gives him a really firm handshake. Yeah, like he's Sam's like, oh, like Whoa wait. there. Yeah. Uh. So she's like so Reggie turns to Artie goes uh goes you're doing it wrong uh this isn't what we practice picks up artie and slings her over her shoulder oh yeah or like or like she either does that or like fireman carries her no it's over her shoulder like, like she's okay. she's carrying like ver- like already vertically the, over her shoulder back to the corner which is such a cute detail i love reggie yeah um but cherry is pissed that melrose is being like this um and so Melrose keeps like being shitty and Cherry is like, I know, I know people types like you. And she calls her out for being, you know, a rich girl who daddy pays all the bills. And she, she just kind of goes around like nobody care, like nobody cares in the world. Basically calls her a vapid bitch. And yes. this does clearly gets to Melrose because also mm-hmm. she's right. Um, 
about that. And she's like, well, you only have this job because you, you fucked the director. So what she overheard in the bathroom is suddenly yeah. coming out. Uh, and then Melrose Cherry, backstabbing bitch. Cherry squares up and she says she knows how she got this job because she knows how to do it safely and make it look real. And this mm. is when Melrose pops up. You think this shit looks real? This it's fucking fake. Yeah. And Cherry is like, this is that's <laughs> the third one of those lines of like for people who think wrestling who don't like wrestling. Yes. But then and Sherry, Sherry takes the, the, like, the, okay. the Hulk Hogan approach. Oh yeah. Sherry's <laughs> like, all right, come at me. But it'll be as real as you want. And so chair and so Melrose continuing to treat this stu- like an idiot. Although she's corner. clearly intimidated. Sure, by, but by she's still, but they square up and she like does the like the karate like wah thing. Yeah. Crouching tiger bullshit. And again, and I want to point out again, in the ring like this, we have a shaky cam again. Uh again, there's something about like the gritty reality that's brought into the ring in a way that like the outside world doesn't have again it's all fake but this Mm. this highlights here there is something real that is brought in when they when they step into the ring uh it's a really nice touch visually and i really like so she she goofs around and cherry immediately just puts her in a fucking choke hold and chokes her out yep yeah i've i forgot that part of cherry just making this not stone not even stone face doesn't easy she's like whatever that was so funny Puts her down, and then we cut back to Sam and Debbie, where mm. uh, Sam is desperately trying to convince Debbie to to join Glow. And I think the part of this that interests me it's 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 always it's interesting to me about Sam's character. I think is 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 that he is low key a misogynist. Honestly, not oh. even that low key about it. No, he does not respect. Me. But 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 he also. He is an independent filmmaker. He is an he is an exploitation director. He is out of the mainstream of Hollywood, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Which means he also he is very kind of he is very much he he's got that attitude of like the fakeness and shittiness of mainstream Hollywood, and he uses that to connect with Debbie, and and kind of and I, think, I think it also speaks to like the ways in which like mm-hmm. it, he's able to kind of like broken clock post about his relationship with these women of like because for as much as he doesn't respect women for the most part like he really doesn't respect you know the mainstream yuppie bullshit of hollywood in the 80s and sometimes that does line up to actually Given giving women something really artistically like yeah he correct he correctly guesses that like the back of the backstage politics of of uh of debbie's time on paradise Cove, which, where she which was, i want to point out this is this she was is a, one she asked a little thing. too many questions had a little improv a few too many lines and that's why they wrote her into a coma yeah, and then and then you got it. Then you get a coma, and then written off the show entirely. Right. And Debbie's basically like, uh, yeah, no, that's that's actually exactly. How no, that's happened. exactly that's um, exactly how that went. Yes. I do want to point out this. This this is really funny that like two scenes in a row we've had between Sam and Cherry, uh, both of them just like showing off the psychic ability to like totally 
accurately guess very specific details of somebody else's life. In the previous scene, Cherry goes up, you know, uh, fucking Melrose, like, you don't know me. And Cherry's like, oh, I don't know you. Oh, I you know, know you. Oh, oh, you're, I know exactly who you are. You're living off daddy's credit card, but you're too, you're too embarrassed to say about it, say anything about it unless you're drunk at parties. You drive a limo because you think it makes you look more interesting. Uh, you know, you're, you're an insecure little wannabe, yada, yada, yada. And, and again, Melrose shaken by this because she Cherry got her Because like, Cherry knows the type. Yes. Um, and I, I think there is something interesting to like, you know, we get two scenes of like, you know, someone who's a little more ingrained in, in this business, uh, yeah. looking at, you know, one of the, you know, outsiders relative, relative being new, able to... An outsider in Melrose and a relative newcomer in Debbie. We don't really, yeah, we don't really but if, know how long Debbie's been working, but we can assume it's probably not long. Like, and it's and it's interesting too because we get it from two different perspectives. From uh, you know, from Cherry, uh, you know, she's able to know the type because she has worked within the industry for so long and has, you know, seen all of these types of women come through. Um, you know, a very within the system sort of perspective. And Sam, although he presents a very similar, like, you know uh style of educated guests at backstage politics it's a very you know it's very clearly made by somebody who whose whole mo is rejecting that very system again kind of stands in a funny contrast he knows the kind of bullshit that happens in yeah in in major in mainstream hollywood the presentation he's he's no feminist himself but he does know like the kind of bullshit women have to deal with the the ability yeah the the presentation of in-universe glow um as the thing that can help you realize more of yourself outside of kind of like the stereotypes that get put forth for women another great Mm -hmm. little distillation of that um and and also i really want to point this out too is like you know, you talked about, you know, the, the aspect of Debbie that she's not actually living this dream life like she told it to Ruth. Um, and I, I love, too, how that kind of, like, shows the cracks in the foundation of how she's framed in the very first episode. Um, mm-hmm. Is, like, she's so grounded. And the way she talks to Sam is so very grounded. It, it stands in stark contrast to Melrose, honestly. Of like she has these very measured responses, and you know she's not getting emotional. She's she's very just kind of like yeah, no, this is what's happening, and it you know kind of sucks, but like that's life. That's how that's you gotta how roll that with goes. It. Um, but she is a little frazzled. She's grounded, but there's kind of this manic energy to her that she can't quite get to go away, and you can tell her, she's frustrated she still, by that. She still fact. wants to be a actress. She still wants to be a, a starring role. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and and I think, again, that was actually exemplified in that very first scene of her, of, again, she's so grounded, she's in the center, she's in perfect sync with the choreography at that fucking jazzercise class, her outfit's coordinated, she looks great, uh, but then she starts fucking, like, lactating in the middle of class. Like, again, mm-hmm. the cracks in the foundation that are there. Um, and it kind of shows, like, this is the big reveal that the the sort of spiritual tie that links her to Ruth is that <laughs> pardon me for as much as she tries to play it off she yearns for just as much as Ruth does just 
she comes from a slightly different world. Um, and again, this is really driving home that shows. The, the first episode was, you know, uh, about kind of like setting them up. And then this is kind of really putting forward uh, and hammering home that thematic detail of succeeding on your own terms. Yep. And what that means. And both. We got that in the last both episode. Ruth and Debbie have not found any success on their own terms she, yes that ruth is obvious in that she has no parts in anything ever that's obvious <laughs> True. but debbie gets this part on this sh- on this on this on this soap opera but mm-hmm. she is an opinionated actress she cares she wants to be a bigger part than i'm sh- i'm sure it was she wants to be a bigger part than she was just making a wild guess about some of the issues she might've had on the show and the showrunners punish her for it. And notably it's her husband, Mark, that is the one that, that pushes her or at least is the one who opens the conversation to what if you just become a mom? Mm -hmm. Like it's not a decision. If it's a decision Debbie comes to on her own, it's not one that she comes to by herself. Yes. Like it came from the prompting of of an, of her husband that that this maybe this is the way her career should go because she's so mm-hmm. unhappy on this soap opera. Mm-hmm. And and it also came from it also and it also came from how the writers of that soap opera treated her too. Yeah. And so and I'm not saying that she didn't feel that way. I I can easily believe that maybe Debbie looks at this. This is her big role. Maybe the biggest, the biggest she's ever seen, presumably. Mm-hmm. Maybe the biggest she'll ever see. And this, this is what she has to deal with. Yeah. Is this bullshit even now? Yup. Maybe, maybe being a mom would be more satisfying than this. A hundred percent. So I don't mean, I don't want to imply that like, that she made no choices that she didn't want to make, but I want to, she didn't make any decisions fully on her own terms. And she's as equally unsatisfied as Ruth, just for different reasons. Exactly. Um, And there's, therein, therein lies that, that, you know, that chain that, that links them together. And again, it's then given that extra element of, them having to do like kind of make this deal with the devil almost of going in under carny ass Sam and his exploitative ass, uh, you know, vision but, for glow but in that, but in that exploitation might can be empowerment. Find... Yes. Yes. The ability oh, to be fuck, the showing player of the story. Exactly. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So anyway, um, so we, he all, uh, but he, and, this is what convinces her to at least give him a little bit, a chance to prove it. Yes. And Sam's movie. like, if you don't like it, I'll drive, I'll be a perfect gentleman. I'll drive you back. No questions asked. Da, 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 da. And Before, then she goes, wait, 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 what about Ruth? And he's like, ah, oh, fuck that bitch. No, I, I cut her. She's, she's I cut her. We got to worry about her. Cleverly, cleverly, a live omission. Cause he did do that. 
But Sam, you slimy bastard. God, I love this character. Before uh before we move on, I do want to say I thought it was really funny when he comes when they first start the con- the scene in the kitchen, he tries to like relate to Ruth and the way he does this is being like, "Hey, you know, my wife cheated on me with one of my crew." Which is not yeah. my best friend, but I was technically paying this guy to fuck my wife. And He's so, like, you know, I quit everything me? and went to Vegas and did a shitload of drugs. And I was, uh, and two I got a. later, I felt a lot better. And then two years later, I felt a lot better. And she's like, no, not, no, two weeks advice. later. Yeah. Um, she's like, how is this supposed to help me? He's like, don't worry about it. Uh, and then, ah, uh, y'all think that. Anyway. Yeah. We cut to lunchtime. There, this they got this like little little diner look, like this uh like um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, like fast food drive. Takeout, like uh, takeout, like it's like takeout, burger yeah. takeout thing. Yeah, you know they we, they again emphasize the money difference here as they they order burger and fries and shakes for everyone and all that and yeah Ruth, yeah and so, it comes so, out so to, Ruth is Ruth comes is out to twenty dollars. A- which uh, I wish that I could buy like five burgers and fries and three soft drinks for $20. And a milkshake. Well, I do want to point out too that, that Ruth is ordering and, you know, she's at it, she's like, anyone else want anything? And um, fucking Rhonda goes, I want a milkshake. And Ruth goes, yeah, get this girl a milkshake on me. She's so fucking broke. Again, the yeah, weird she, like kind so of- she, So he comes up, comes up to $20 Overcompensatory self self sacrifice. Yeah, she pulls out seven dollars. Checks notes. She's like, and then Melrose, who was standing behind her the whole time, drops a fifty dollar bill from her. Oh, was it a fifty? I thought it was a twenty. It was a fifty. Okay. Oh wow. Because he got she got Um, change afterwards, and then she paid it. And uh, not just go ahead and skip to the end of this scene for the just to, to fully this bit. After this, at the end of the scene, Melrose is like, "By the way, you owe me twenty dollars." Yeah, like she well, doesn't I even, love, I, she doesn't even like just let she, it be a chair. Yeah, like oh no, of course not. Um, because she, because she's a bitch. Uh, no, but right. fucking. Um, honestly, uh, little. This is just a cute little like production design detail. Shout out to them having like old bills. Like we're not like we didn't have like twenty seventeen fifty dollars. Like that was a nineteen eighties. Mm-hmm. Dollar bill. Yeah, I appreciated that little detail. Um, yeah. I wonder if they like had to custom make that if they will just like I don't know have one. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, but um, Mel basically at lunch, Melrose just she's with Carmen, Rhonda, and Ruth, and she's just bitching about Cherry. Like, who does she think she is? She could have, I could have been seriously injured. Yeah, and Carmen is super. There, Carmen's pretty unsympathetic about it. But at the end of the scene, goes, bitch. Melrose steals a ketchup bottle from the fast food place. And so Mm. we get to the next scene. They're doing some basic learn. Let's learn how to take a back bump. Yeah. They're not, they're doing it without any fucking pads, which practicing back bumps without pads. Ow. That's just, that's wrestling, baby. Got to learn how to bump on that mat. Um, Melrose, Melrose pretends to like, want to give this a fair and honest try she even wins over cherry with the f yeah 
And yeah, then, she, so she, she she tries she tries one and she's like it's bad. She, she tries a couple and they're bad. bad. She's like, again. please let me try it again. I really want to work like, hard. You're, you're good. She's like, no, I really want to push myself. Um, and Sherry's like, all right, maybe I did get through to her. And yeah, then she and then. she bumps, takes the back, she takes the bump correctly, and yeah. pretends to be injured, and she starts squirting red ketchup out of her sweatshirt because she was wearing like yep. a sweatshirt the hit that she hid the bottle in yeah and she starts like i thought i was pregnant and sherry immediately figures out like oh my god yeah she, she's actually doing this right now she's, and then actually- she does pull out the ketchup bottle and like squirts it in front of her and gets her laugh she's sherry- like oh bummer I um, guess it was a womb goo. Yeah, she's like, she how, I, how will I tell Adam Ant that I had a bit of a womb goof? Fuck is Adam Ant? What was that a reference to? She just made up a name for okay. like a guy. Okay, sure. And is it at this point <laughs> that Sam and Debbie come back? <laughs> yes. Like, uh, Debbie, right Sam, Cherry is like, Sam, I got some And Cherry says, get the fuck out of my ring. You. Yeah. And Sam is like, what? Shut up for a second. Get Debbie. Yeah. And then Debbie, Ruth tries to hide. Doesn't work. Doesn't Debbie work. is Debbie is pissed. What is my fucking candid camera? Why is she here? Why is this? And then here? Sam goes, okay, it's not the fact. It's not about the fact that I it's lied. Not about, it's, it's not about, about the lie. The lie took takes us. Sam accidentally discovers the true meaning of wrestling in that moment. Yeah, uh, so... Also, I want to point out Sheila pops in at just oh, this the, is so funny. the best moments. She she you know so so Debbie sees Ruth and Sheila and you know Ruth is like ah fuck and Sheila just kind of like she's in the ring and she kind of like crawls over to Ruth who's like you know standing on the outside and she just goes you have to be submissive and Ruth is like what and she's submit. like you have to show in your body language lower your head submit slouch and so ruth just kind of starts like hunching She's down the alpha. And you're down. the omega you yeah sheila always coming in clutch at the best sheila fucking here moment. with bad wolf science but also good advice for this moment true um so yeah so Don't so sam's like bad. it's not about the lie it's where the lie takes you listen i have a fire to put out you know get let me deal with this, and then, and then we'll get back to you. And then so, and Cherry... The, I, like, I, I, I want to share. Debbie's got Debbie's great line here. Um, So Sam's like, yeah, it's not about the lie where the lie takes you. Listen, I got a fire to put out. Give me a chance. And Ru- and Debbie just kind of, like, leans back and goes, uh, 15 minutes Confucius, and only because it's rush hour. And then as Sam turns his back and starts to walk towards the ring, he just mutters to himself, it'll still be rush hour in 15 minutes. <laughs> such a good line yeah so which i think but i think it does show like a little bit of like debbie's morbid curiosity at this opportunity too. like she again is more into this detail. than she is openly saying she is yes yes um so cherry makes melrose reenact her dumb ass um or dumbass miscarriage bit and clearly she doesn't really Jerry reenact is, it and she and she's kind of narrates she it yeah right and i think i think cherry is hoping she's gonna get punished for this and i don't know who she thinks she's working with in this <laughs> yeah. Production yeah really because sam is like sam's response to this is i didn't believe it and i don't believe it at all i yeah. mean 
let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then he looks at Debbie and then Sherry and is like, you know, I don't know if that was the right metaphor for this. Yeah. <laughs> but he thinks this has legs. <laughs> and so he, and this is such brilliant, smooth. So Sam is so fucking smooth for this whole scene. Is he mm-hmm. is like trying to build motivation and character for this stupid miscarriage bit. Yeah. He's like, what evil woman would destroy the life of a pregnant woman? What yeah, I do want to say he, he, yeah, he, he says he says if this were a real scene, there'd be context, there'd be characters. Sam out here, he can act as cool as he wants, but deep down, man, he is just as much of a dork as Ruth is. He's just he gotta is. like frame it through weird he's just, like he's sexploitation. Just like, sexploitation and acting like he's disaffected and doesn't care. Um yes. But he's like, we, we got a home wrecker would do such and, a thing. And, and we cut to Ruth, clearly knowing she's called out, and she starts fucking uh, striking the submissive pose that Sheila taught her again. Submit, submit, you're gonna make it. Herself. <laughs> she starts tucking into herself, and he's like, Ruth, get in here. And she's like, nope, I'm not feeling too well. Please don't make me do it. So, and, and well, so she, she says, I, you know, I'm not feeling too well, actually. And Sam goes, you know, Gene Kelly had the flu and he shot the title <laughs> number and singing in the rain. My <laughs> man knows his audience. And then, and then Ruth, just goes, Ruth is like, yeah, he did. And yes, then he, he goes, you get this confused. He's like, God damn it, he got me. <laughs> The, the ultimate, and again, Sam, again, he can act as cool as he wants, but he knows his shit. I also find it just like the level of pandering there deeply funny of him just being able to kind of like pull this out. Master manipulator. I it, it also cracks me up because as, as a personal note, this is just a completely random sidebar, but something that was funny. So, uh, you know, work as a pool supervisor and I, you know, supervise a bunch of fucking teenage lifeguards. And uh, last week, one of them texts me and he's like, so David, uh, this, sh- I have a shift on Friday that you're supervising from four to eight. I would like you, if I, I would like to ask if I could leave 20 minutes early because, uh, I have a friend, uh, in a, in a play and I want to go see. And I thought that as a fellow appreciator of the theatrical arts, you of all people would understand why I why it was so important to me that I go and and attend this performance and I was like you limey God little damn it you bastard. got me. you got me you ultimate fucking panderer I've been good grief I've been hornswoggled yeah so, so just a fun little personal note that reminded me of that Ruth, anyway he gets Ruth in the ring and Sam starts narrating the scene you probably have more of the lines here than I do but I actually don't the, have the line. Okay, but um, the point but I have the, yeah. is that he is he is casting Ruth as the villain and using yeah. Melrose as a proxy for Debbie. Yes, to get Debbie to sign up and see his vision, and it yep. worked, and it's working. Debbie is getting into this idea well, of like, and but and something else I want to point out too, like not only is he doing this manipulator shit, but like. So Sam is a motherfucker. But that said, in a lot of ways, he is a solid director. Because as soon as he gets in the ring, he gets, he, it's not about just investing Debbie. He's getting invested now too. Um, oh yeah, he's getting he into in the it. Ring to direct Ruth and, uh, to direct Ruth and Melrose. And the way, like, that he's giving good direction. 
He's giving specifics. He's demonstrating. Um, he's he's making his vision clear. Uh, yeah. And he again that affable charm, that side of Sam that you can't help but kind of like like and respect starts to come out. Um, I also he, think I'm pretty sure this is the scene where like element. I also think this is the scene where when Debbie is not Debbie Ruth is questioning him and he's like, "Shut up, Uta Hagen, <laughs> take the yeah. direction." Yeah, yeah. Hey, Uta Hagen. Hey, Uta Hagen. Which again, I think is a nice little like Sam is not correct often in this show, especially not when he's like talking down to the women. But like that was an important thing for Ruth to hear. Of like, sometimes you do need to like take direction. Like right. you know, it's which, great to be a firebrand. It's been her problem. The whole ep, it, it's it's kind of like the opposite. It's kind of like the down negative downside of the character we kind of established in the first episode, right? Like mm-hmm. fighting against a sexist system designed to keep her in the shittiest roles imaginable. Um, yeah, go Ruth. But like, yeah. also we have to consider like she refused to read the right part for the audition, and now she is being given direction that she doesn't like, and she's fighting sam about it yup like uh yeah it, which makes you a which makes you a difficult like person not like she genuinely is a um, bit of a difficult actress to work with yeah exactly regardless of any um, other bullshit reason so sam kind of calls her out on it and that and that was an important moment for her i think right there um and then but then of course you know we can't help but get reminded about what a motherfucker sam is that he's making a whole spectacle out of like this whole miscarriage scene and cherry's like cherry fucking storms out uh because yeah, she's, she's like she's pissed but um, he does he goes to the whole scene he has ruth kick melrose in the stomach and then he recreates the splatter with the ketchup and he's like yeah it's a fucking miscarriage yeah <laughs> so after that you know, after that scene, we go to we see Cherry getting in the car with her husband Keith, mm-hmm. and Keith is like, "Hey, hey, there's there's my star. You got your own, uh, lo- you got your own, uh, uh, what dressing room? Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, dressing room. Yet he's all he's he's a, he's all excited, and Cherry clearly is like upset. And yeah, doesn't really want to talk about what happened, and but then Sam runs up. To there to the car and he's like hey keith you're looking good man he's like yeah you looking like shit yeah and <laughs> yeah they're having they're having fun banter uh and he's and like sam i like the is car like, yeah and sam is like hey cherry i know it was tough today but listen i want to double your salary actor and trainer all right uh-huh. and cherry's like i'll think about it I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow and he's like okay and keith is like that that's a yes right and Cherry, Cherry's kind of iffy about it. He's like, we need baby, to redo. We baby, have a bathroom to redo. We have, baby, we have to redo the bathroom. And so yeah. Cherry is going to stay on at double, and again, the, double the salary. Her own version of like empowerment, but exploitation. Yeah. And also like, you know, not a, not a housewife, but as a wife in general, a, a partner. Like, yeah. It, Oh my God! Just the elements to this, and are Sam so the manipulator good. picking the perfect moment and opportunity to like, like doing it in front of Keith of without Keith. Keith having any context for like why Cherry's so upset in the first place. Yep. And so all Keith hears is like, sees that his wife is kind of upset, kind of weird, but also his wife just got offered to get paid for two jobs at once. Yep. 
And so he, and now she kind of has to be either be like an unsupportive partner or stand up for herself of not working with Sam who crossed a shitload of lines here. Boundaries. Yeah. For not only not reprimanding Melrose in any way for making fun of a miscarriage that Sam knows about. Yeah. But also Sam taking it like three steps farther because if because yeah. this problem is well, not and, and also this problem and, isn't that Melrose did the scene, it's that she did the scene shit. And well and also like too like fucking even revealing to to Melrose that he and um um fucking um that he and Cherry had a you know very very brief sexual relationship without mm-hmm. you know clearly Cherry wanting that information to become public. So like so many lines being crossed and then Oh my god, he's such a prick. I love him. Um, and even outside and then, of in, even outside of this part, I think the show has established pretty early on and will kind of continue to establish that Cherry doesn't have a lot of prospects in Hollywood mm-hmm. because she is very limited as an actress. She's yes. great at stunt work, and that's that kept her in jobs while she was more active, mm-hmm. but it's capped. This is probably the best job she'll ever get she can keep she can get and keep as an actress and so that also adds into the manipulation factor of like yep you stand up to sam on this right now that's basically you're basically done yep exactly uh oh my fucking god yeah the 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 prospects the finding success and finding like gainful employment but on the other side this is her one the cut just like Ruth and just like Debbie. And just like this Debbie. is her one opportunity to have honestly all the women on this show, and I don't want to touch on it because it's a lot of future prospect stuff, but like yeah. every single woman on this show, for one reason or another, doesn't have much going for them in terms of Hollywood acting jobs. This, yeah. this is an exploitative and gross job, but it is also the one featured role the is the perfect kind of role for the perfect kind of personality and woman that they women that they are for them to get an empowered decent featured part well well and also like the this this has this this has this like side to it as well where like what what is what is what is like fucking presented to 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 us as the viewer so early on in the first episode when Ruth gets that call from the casting director they are looking for unconventional women and it's played as kind of a joke but that line carries a lot more weight to it mm-hmm. than one might expect. It almost, this is a show that almost asks the question of what it means to be an unconventional woman in some way or other. Um, fuck, come to think of it, that might even be like just the even, I, I mean like that might be like the even more like slightly more overarching theme here than empowerment versus exploitation. because. To get to that question of empowerment versus exploitation, you have to first ask, 
what kind of situation one find themselves in where they're walking that tightrope in the first place. And it's when you are living on the outside, when you Mm -hmm. don't have a place in the mainstream where you need to make that kind of deal with the devil to get what you want and what you need simply because you won't be taken anywhere else because you are unconventional. You are not normal. And worse than all of that, you are an unconventional woman. Mm -hmm. And that, as the driving force of this show, again, it makes it a shame that, like, it ended up being weaker as an ensemble piece than it could have been, uh, or that, that, and then it should have been. Cause mm. like when taking it all into account, seeing each way in which each woman in the main cast is unconventional, seeing how that affects them and seeing how that leads them into this place is so powerful. I mean, fuck one of the best episodes of the show is season two, where we get Tammy's episode of like yep. her son uh, like coming to a reckoning with the character that she ends up playing, the black stereotype character she ends up playing. Um, this is this is the true this is the the truest strength of the show, um, at least at least in concept. Again, in theory, it ends up the 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 concrete strength ends up being like the the tension between uh, Debbie and Ruth. Um, but nonetheless, like in theory as the thesis statement it's it's that and it's it's so it's so incredible and it's capped off so beautifully uh i think in this episode sam is walking debbie to her car ruth is trailing them and she's like so what's going on and you know sam's like you know i locked down debbie for the show and you know he he gets debbie into the car and debbie's like all right you know we have to like go get this dinner on the way back she's you know still acting grumpy and making sam kind of follow her demands a little bit and so sam gets debbie in the car he starts to walk around his side and ruth kind of stops him she's like so what is am i just off the show like she feels like she's losing her shot here and sam goes no what the fuck are you stupid no you are my ultimate villain you are the bad guy in this story you and Debbie are the money makers here again that work shoot thing you were talking about everyone's gonna hate you Everyone's going to hate you. And Ruth, this is where it comes in. Ruth is like, I don't want people to hate me. And this is where we see, again, kind of the egoistic complex side to Ruth, where not only does, you know, which again, fuck, come to think of it, is exemplified by like um, her monologue in the first episode. I also just episode. thought of that. Is there yeah, good guys there and are bad, bad guys? And we there are, are bad guys, guys and we're the good guys. Um, not only does Ruth want to, you know, have these opportunities, she wants the fame and she wants the love and she wants. Um, and again, this is where Sam brings her down to earth a little bit. And he's like, he basically says, you know, stop being such a fucking baby about it. Um, I'm giving you, you know, I'm giving you a part here. Be grateful for that. And then, um, and then both in a way that's one more, both, both like in one more great way of pandering to Ruth and her sensibilities. And also in a great thesis statement for his character. Well, it's not even a thesis statement. It's almost like a meta bit. He goes, besides 
the devil gets all the best lines. Um, walks again, in, gets his car, and, and drives walks, off. Yeah, true. It, which again, he's the fucking devil here. Um, and true, he does get some of the best lines. But again, that sort of deal with the devil aspect that's being played up here is great. Mm. Yeah. Fuck this show is so yeah, goddamn good and then it ends with uh melrose driving off without giving ruth her cars her shoes back and we don't get along by the go-go's playing as credits roll (laughs) that's that's nice that's a nice yeah and again a fantastic show oh my god i love yeah loved it this has just been two hours of us fucking like geeking out over just how well constructed these first two episodes are and the show as a whole is mm-hmm. even for its faults as it goes on like i still find it to be incredibly like well constructed endlessly watchable and i think it does maintain sight of like what it's trying to be mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm this is this is this is nostalgic's not the right word for it. it's not that old uh yeah, but but you know had a lot of fun remembering kind of going back through this show again mm-hmm. after, you know, didn't w- I've watched it a little bit, but not a lot since the season series ended. And I've never gone back to with season three um, up to this point, but just phenomenal show easily. One of the best wrestling Hollywood media That's in existence. Brutal. This is a, this is not, it's not even a close competition, really. Mm-mm. It's not Mm-mm. a lot. There's not a lot that can really compete with glow quality wise on this one. Um, yep. But fantastic show. Honestly, would love to come back to it at some point. I don't know if I'd want to yeah. make a whole arc out of just watching, watching a through season. glow. No, but like, you know, it'd be fun to like, it'd be fun to examine, like, I don't know, find maybe a more novelty episode of the show to like, just talk about his artistry and stuff. Oh, I definitely. Oh, I already know. If we're just picking like one sh- episode at random, I feel like we got to do the episode in season two where they just do an in-universe episode of Glow all the way through. Oh, I haven't seen that episode yet. Yeah, it's think. one of the last of season two. Is they just do an in-universe episode oh, shit. of Glow? Either that, or I just either that, or I want to do the Tammy episode. Oh, yeah, the Tammy episode. Um. The season one finale, like the first se- the, like the, the like season, the like the season one finale, the, is, the glow oh, pilot, oh, the season the, one finale is insanely good. Yeah, it's good. Um, um I'm still the ep- obsessed honestly with the, the episode where they introduce Bash, just because it's interesting, yes. like to get his perspective on wrestling. Uh, the episode where Debbie goes to a wrestling show. Honestly, oh my, would f- love this. Oh my god, there's so many. I'm We're just so gonna obsessed. name every episode in the show. Honestly, the episode, yeah, I'm, the episode. I'm still, I, I will forever be obsessed with like. I forget even. I for, I forget exactly like what the fucking like inciting incident to this was, but like the where like Ruth improvised the. Oh, oh, I think it might be the Tammy episode. Um, I think yeah, it's in the it is. Episode, it is when Liberty the, Bell, end, um, that's the end, you know, Liberty starts, Bell does like, the bit and it starts, which it's is not working. improbable as all hell, but you know, uh, yeah, no fucking way, in, no in, fucking in way. Liberty Bell works. starts getting heat, and then Ruth has to like Ruth fucking invents a child <laughs> for Liberty she Bell, invents to, like, a kidnapping plot, kidnap child. That's such a good moment, and like one of Ruth's best moments as a character, I think. 
Mm. Um, fuck, that show is so... Yeah, Tammy episode is my vote, but I could also see us reviewing, like, the in-universe glow episode they do. That'd be funny. That's, that, was just, that was just... That one was just a purely fun episode. Like, the Tammy one is, like, really deep and has a, yeah. has a lot of great themes to it. The in-universe glow episode is just fun. Yeah. To, like... They just did an entire 30 minute of like actual, like actual episode I of Glow. Having actually watched Glow now, I want to see what they do with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but that's for some time in the future. This is yes. uh, for next time. Oh boy. Holy goddamn shit. We're oh here. Boy. We've, we have been on this arc for so long. It's the longest arc in the history of the show. But after months of raw we're at wrestlemania 30 hell yeah the 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 yes movement has its night to shine as daniel mm-hmm. bryan if he wants to be wwf champion he's got to beat not just one not just two he's got to beat all three members of evolution in one night yup such a great little setup. Oh, it's going to be so fucking good. I'm yep. excited as all hell. The first three-hour pay-per-view cut is I literally oh, can't shorter than that. Boy, howdy. <laughs> uh, but that is for next time. Until then, David, hit the plugs. Yes, sir. I'm going to try to rush through this before my power gets knocked out. Dear Oof. friends, thank you all so much for joining us on yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so Delighted to have you here. Uh, returning listeners, viewers, what have you, you know the drill. Thank you all so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever the hell it is you use to consume our content. We are so delighted to have you here. Uh, on top of that, returning uh, new people. Hey, hi, how's it going? Welcome to the show. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts like. So whether you're brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of all the weird bullshit Either way, we hope you had a great time. We hope you feel welcome here. We hope you want to keep coming back to have a great time with us week after week after week. I'm going to make sure you know all the ways to do so. First of all, of course, you can find our video version of the show on YouTube, Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell. Make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we put a brand new episode. Uh, You know, give us that sweet, sweet engagement if you're so inclined. And hey, check out all of our playlists because if you want to follow any storylines all the way down. Austin has been kind enough to organize all of those storylines that we follow into their own separate playlists. It's great. You can see our beautiful faces, see how endlessly happy Glow makes us as a TV show. What a very rare sight. It really makes podcast. us glow. Yeah. So, uh, of course, we have the audio-only options for you as well. You can find the News and Knockouts podcast on three of the best places to find your audio-only up, uh, podcasts, which, of course, are Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Come give us a listen there. You know, we got some engagement you can give us there, too, specifically in the forms of, you know, five-star ratings if you're so inclined and some reviews that maybe say, hey, these guys are pretty cool. More people should be listening to them. I don't know. I'm just speaking off the cuff here. Um And yeah, download our show too so you can listen to us offline. It's a great deal. Come listen to us over at Noobs and Knockouts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. On top of all of that, we somehow have lives outside of our uh, little void that you can find us in week after week. Um, So you can find us on social media. We have some social media. Uh, First and foremost, of course, is our Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Noobs and Knocks Pod. That's at 
noobs, the letter N, Noxpod on Twitter. Come check us out there. You know, we we do the whole Twitter theme, memes, discourse, you know, whatever the fuck else. We put up a post every single time we drop a brand new episode, so you guys always know what the hell is going on. Highlight of our Twitter is, of course, weekly wrestling live tweeting every Wednesday night. Well, almost every Wednesday night, and even then, that could be thrown into question soon. I just cast just got cast in a show. Um, but Wednesday nights when we can at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern on uh, TNT or TBS, we are watching, of course, AEW Dynamite, tweeting about all that good shit. Additionally, I'm an AEW loyalist in my household. When I get the chance, I'll also watch on Friday nights at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern on TNT AEW Rampage. Tweet all about that shit. It is the show that y'all been waiting on. It's the show that I've been waiting on to tweet about. And, of course, on Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, also on TNT, uh, we will watch and tweet about AEW uh, uh, Collision sometimes. Saturday night is, in fact, all right for fighting. You can get some action in on the Twitter, of course. Sometimes. It depends. Um, on top of that, Austin the Knockout is such a diligent fan of wrestling. He likes to keep up with um, all of the major... Uh, oh boy, all the major front of the clock here. The, uh, uh, U.S. promotions uh, and tweet about all of them. Uh, and, you know, we like to keep you guys updated. In theory, uh, on- I, I'm honestly like five episodes. I'm like two episodes behind on Impact and like I haven't watched any AEW for a week. So no, you know. that's that's fair. That's fair. But, you know, he, he tries his best anyway. Uh, and, you know, he likes to keep up with all the major pay-per-views and tell you guys all about them especially for all the noobs in the audience. It's a nice little thing. So my friend, who, what is on the docket at coming up? Right. So WWE, let's talk about that. First is the upcoming is, is payback. It, it, and uh, if you want to watch WWE on a weekly basis, it's raw on Monday nights at 8 PM Eastern on USA network, Friday nights, SmackDown uh, is uh, fr- Fridays at 8 PM Eastern on Fox uh payback is happening over uh over on uh labor day weekend that's a coming up september the second and so that was available on peacock uh wwe uh nbc universal streaming service where wwe licenses out all their shit these days uh for impact wrestling it is victory road uh, I, well, first, love, I love that part of every Pokemon game. Yeah, that's the best part. Uh, uh, Impact Wrestling Elite Four. <laughs> True. Soon. I wish. Im, uh, Impact Wrestling Safari Island. Safari Zone. Oh, shit. Safaris. I only Imp- know Gen 1. This is the best you get um, of these jokes. Anyway. Impact Wrestling Battle Frontier. Anyway. Anyway, Impact Wrestling, you wa- you can watch that every Thursday night either on Axis TV at 8 p.m. Eastern or with a $1 YouTube subscription. You can watch them every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern commercial free on YouTube. Uh, as for Victory Road on September the 8th, that's Impact Wrestling. You know, that's on Impact Plus. And that's Impact Wrestling's uh, streaming service. Now, for AEW, uh, this is awkward because we are filming this before All In. But it will be, it will, it will be drop. This episode will be dropping after All In. During All In or after All In. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what the local time start is. So it'll either be right, it'll be either during or They're, right they, after they, all. It's in. gonna start. It's gonna start at one, and the buy-in starts at noon. Yeah, it'll be. They'll be done at five. They'll be done at like five, five okay. p.m. Eastern. So this episode will be releasing after all in. So that means AEW's next pay per view is next weekend, Sunday, mm-hmm. September the third, all out. And but because all in hasn't happened yet, there's basically no matches for all yes. out announced. That um, we know one. We know, we know exactly two. one. Um. Oh yeah. Unless. I don't know if you've watched the most recent collision. I, uh, the one I know, I know that we're getting, uh, uh, Miro versus Hobbs. Okay. That's the other, that's the one I was thinking of. Okay. What's the other other one? The other one we've been there for a while, but basically what's already said for all out is, is, uh, the TNT championship match between, uh, alleged champion Luchasaurus. That doesn't sound right to me. I'm pretty sure yeah. Christian Cage is the is the TNT champion. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's the one who's carrying that. the belt, so that sounds about right. Um, versus Darby Allen, who won uh, who won the Royal Rampage match for the right to uh, uh, to challenge for the belt. You know, I'm sure that Christian has very positive things to say about Darby Allen's dead father. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt and his dead uncle too for good measure yeah and obviously what's gonna happen is is adam copeland is going to debut and stop at darby allen from winning the tnt title i i nice meme a nice meme correct amundo and then it is miro versus powerhouse hobbs it is the battle of two hoss dudes who have no creative direction at all. So let's I go. just love watching two men beat two big men beat the stuffing out of each other. I love it. I mean, to quote Big E, um I gotta get the correct the exact quote here, yeah. Of course. Hold on. God damn it, the VP Google search my VPN. All right, there we go. All right, now I got it. It took in the words of Big E. You want your five-star matches? Your 30-minute classics? I want big, meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> I love him. I love yeah. him so much. Of course, we have also the internet's also invented the female variety. Big, meaty women bumping meat. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway. Yeah, so that's coming up. That's us on traditional pay-per-view. And a fight TV if you're international or international. Um, it's on Bleacher Report if you're in America and you hate yourself. Um, uh, uh. Yeah, so that's what's coming up. Uh, fuck yeah. Be sure to check all that shit out. It's a great time. And we like to have fun. You know, we, we like to tell you guys about all this shit, especially, you know, for the noobs in the audience. Um, to kind of, you know, if you're looking to get more involved in the wacky world of wrestling you know we like to kind of let you guys know of all your kind of major options at least here in the u.s um and you know pay-per-views are a great jumping on point you're bound to get some great matches and and yeah i I give this spiel every time uh it's great you know storylines finishing up 
uh, new storyline starting up. It's a great time. So check all that shit out. Um, and you check us out on the Twitter. Uh, you know, if you like to listen to us ramble for hours on end, you're going to like the Twitter. We, we, the, the voices carry over. We like to have fun here. Anyway, um, if you want to get more, however, in direct long form contact with us, you have that option as well. Noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word, and this time knockouts pod at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about the show. Tell us what you, what, what you want to see us cover on the show. You know, tell us how based and red pillar hot takes are. You know, if you're wrong, you can tell us that, that we have bad taste, but you know, sucks to be wrong. Uh, right. Uh, you know, start discourse with us. Just say hi. We love people saying hi. We would love to say hi back. Noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com. Of course, finally, you can also find us over on the pa- over on Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. One dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. The link for that is in our Twitter. Shout out, of course, to our boy, friend of the show, uh, the sugar daddy, Kyle Smith. For his contribution. Enjoy your perks, buddy. If you want to enjoy your perks along with Kyle, just a single little dollary do will hit you up with, with, with those nice little perks. Helps out the show tremendously. More than you know, means the world to us. So if you're so inclined, go over, you know, support support us, uh, support us over on the Patreon. Again, the link for that is in our Twitter. See y'all next time. Hasta luego.